Welcome back to the State of the Arc podcast. My name is Mike. My name's Kazen. This is the penultimate episode of this podcast. It is. Everything. Everything comes to a head here. Yeah. All of the discussion, all of the setups, the setups. <laughs> are paid off here. And it's it's only three hours, a little less. I think I played through this section that we went through today in two hours and 50 minutes. It was, yeah, it was shorter than I thought, yeah. And it is a novel's worth of content. It is yeah, yeah. way, way, well, way more. And you can tell, they're just jamming stuff in that they were hoping to actually put in the game. And they're just like, we have no choice but to literally just explain it <laughs> in just didactic, straightforward, just boom, right yeah. in your face. And and every scene after scene, it's like that. And then the next yeah. scene, it's even more just like direct explanations. And also right. we're in a new place and they're just giving us more exposition. <laughs> and then it's like, but anyways, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It is so difficult um, just because, partly because of what you're saying, the amount Mm. That they are just dumping on you yes, here. Yes, it's tons. On top of it being very layered, complex information. On top of it being a very rushed translation that is poor. <laughs> That's true. There's layers of that why just it's so difficult. Making sense of all of this. And, and they bit off more than they could chew Way in more. making this game, period. <laughs> and so that just add that layer in, you know. So there is a ton to break down and I am feeling the pressure because it's like all the work that has been done mm -hmm. up to this point like if you can't you better if you can't explain it. this part then you've failed <laughs> well oh geez <laughs> that's how I'm feeling right now so we took an extra day we were supposed to film yesterday yeah we took yeah. an extra day for me to just like really freaking research and get my notes in order and make sure that it's accurate and make and i i'm you know talking with some other people online mm -hmm. uh you know trying to get like some of their interpretations on things and so it's been crazy this week and i really hope that this all comes together for you guys and that it makes sense for you as well. Um, hey, we'll see. You said that I you feel like I did okay. Yeah. I feel like I did okay. I mean, a lot of games, especially the types of games that we play, deal with really weird themes and crazy stuff happens, especially towards the end, right? Yeah. And it's like, hey, what's going on here? Like, all of a sudden gravity or like the time compression or freaking whatever the heck this whole game. <laughs> and, and it's like, hey, what's going on, right? Yeah. Well, the idea, the, at the point I got to within Xenogears, within this last playthrough, led me to about the point that I would be playing any of the other games that yeah. we play that are considered, you know, meaningful deep games. Yeah. And so I didn't feel so horribly overwhelmed and underprepared and completely in the dark. I felt about where I would normally feel given any of and, the other and games. And that was my intention. Well, good. With <laughs> pointing out things along the way. Well, that's nice. So for me, it was like, eh, that's weird, but not like, holy crap, what does this even mean yeah. at all? Like, yeah. yeah. When I got to this point on the first playthrough, <laughs> I would have too. I was I like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what the frick? What? I didn't get anything. Well, I, th I got, yeah. I got like the like the the tip of the iceberg part right, of the which plot, which is oh they're 
different bodies going in time and they can do different things and yeah. there's different yeah. I like understood like how that. we got from A to Z. Yeah. But I didn't know what any of it meant. Right. And or or maybe I had pieces of it, but like it was like I, I kind of think mm. this is what it's trying to say, but I don't know how this relates to that or this. Yeah. That's what I'm going to hopefully get to. Today. Well well we'll see. That's a large um it's a large promise. It's a lot of work yeah, to oh do yeah, this, so yeah. please support us on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> All right, the first scene, we, we left off where uh, you go to Raziel's tree and fight yes. Graf. And then... And um, we went through that, right? We yeah, went we through, through that, that whole that. thing. Because yeah. um, there's uh, nowhere to say <laughs> Yeah. Because <laughs> you go right from there to Golgotha, it should be Golgotha, which is the crucifixion site. And yes. they're, they're trying to bait, or, or I should say Krellian is trying to bait Ellie, Ellie to come out to try and save Because he Faye. doesn't need any of us. He only really needs her. Right. Or he only really wants her. Yes. That's probably what I say. And so, um, imagery here is a little weird. <laughs> okay. What did, you, what did you feel about the gears the, the and Choo Choo being crucified? So when I first saw it, I was like, oh, it's a crucifixion. That's hardcore. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, they're crucifying us inside our gears. Gear. So we're just like sitting in a pilot cockpit. It's so silly. I mean, they, they've gone through some lengths to explain that gears can feel too, or gears have some type of sentience. Autonomy, gears yeah. have something relevant to like they're a part of life as well in some weird way. Okay, um, but we don't care about the gears. We just care about the people inside the gears. Right. And so it's just like, okay, so they're sitting comfortably. Now choo-choo, that's uncomfortable. That's it, rough. It's just but it's, but it's giant choo-choo. It's yeah. like big mega choo-choo. Yeah. Right? And so, anyways. All I know is it would have been a lot more impactful if the characters were actually hanging on those crosses. Oh, absolutely. Not absolutely. Their gears. And the gears, was they're sitting comfortable in the cockpit, so it's no big deal. Just wait, what, a week until they starve or can't get enough water? I, I don't know. And then and they eventually die There's of a that. part of me that even wonders if they're in them because I know that the, the, the imagery right. here is abstract. The abstract, and it shows them standing outside of the Well, regardless, well, I would it looks say really dumb. If, if, he, if Krellian just killed them, that would have been overplaying his hand with, uh, with the Gezo Ministry for something that happens later, right? Oh, sure. And so if Krellian just puts them all up and kills them all, Gazelle is going to be like, we... We needed some of those. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, you know? they need Rico and Billy and Sidon. Yeah, and those are the vessels, right? And yeah. so they, so he just, you know, put up on the cross the people who were disposable who the gazelle had no interest in. Or not yeah. no interest, but no use for need personally. For. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's it. They didn't so he carry... still needed to play towards the gazelle. If the gazelle were eliminated before this scene, I would think maybe he would have put more people up. Sure. There. Maybe. Yeah, there's the the genetic factor, and this is going to be a huge part of what we talk about here in a minute. Mm. The genetic factor that allows those specific characters to be able to pair with animal relics. Ah, yes. That's the reason Gazzo was interested in those bodies. Right. Because they had the animus factor, the ability to pair with the animal. Yeah. Which is a genetic thing. And the gazelle yeah. felt like they were the only ones, or should be the only ones, should be, yeah. to be able to pair with Anima. Right. Which is why they weren't interested in the characters earlier on. They were going to just kill everyone in Kislev. Right. And then they realized, wait a minute. Like, wait, we can have, they have we can take their bodies. Anima factor, yeah. or animus factor. This changes things, right? And then they started to become more interested in them. But mm-hmm. not in Maria, or Choo Choo, or Faye, <laughs> or uh, Emeralda after 
Krellian's done with her yes. old nano machine stuff. Then yeah, she's useless. The rest of them are now useless to them. Yeah. Okay. Which by the way, well, whatever. She can just absorb her way out of it, right? <laughs> I, I don't know wh- how you whatever. kill a it's, nanomachine colony. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, okay. Unless you inject a nanomachine colony with other nanomachines that are specifically designed to kill, to those, kill those nanomachines. <laughs> sure, yeah, that's possible. <laughs> I'm uh, glad they didn't explore that possibility. Yeah. Because that would have complicated things even more. Okay, so that part of the imagery is weird, but the rest of the scene is actually really quite good. <clears throat> um, I, thought, I thought it was really typical of the type 2... Enneagram anti-type character Ellie, yeah, uh, to to be you know totally willing to sacrifice her life. To yes, save of course. Yes, she's like, course. if it gives Faye and them even the slightest chance of escape, then I will fight. I don't care if it costs me my life. Yes, of it's like course. you're doing it again, very Sophia. <laughs> yes, what are you doing? <laughs> Didn't work last time either. But um, she can't. It's like a gen. A gen- yeah. Genetic imperative. She has to do it. Part, it's a part of her innate not. personality. Yeah. It's, her, it's her type 2 personality. I will say, though, the crucifixion scene would have probably been better if it wasn't just so abrupt. It was just, we were going impactful scene after impactful bam, bam, scene bam, bam, bam. without any transition. And it was just like, okay, now we're there. Boom, they're getting crucified. But it's like, we still haven't really recovered from what happened before I know. That. And so it's all just piling up. And it's because they didn't have enough time. There's no room to breathe in between these yes. scenes. <laughs> and so That's crazy. It's so when, dense. When I got to the end of this two hours, 50 minutes of playing the game, yeah. I was kind of like yelling at my screen like, I've had enough. Like, just stop uh, talking just, for like, a second. Let me just stop talking. <laughs> let me just fly around the map for a minute. Can like, I just <laughs> walk around for a no, little while? No, please. And like, then it's every half hour. There's a scheduled. <laughs> you want to save or like? It, it, I know. You can't even go to a save. Well, sometimes you can, but often you can't. It just you need to decide right then and there. Do you, are you going to commit to another yeah. at least 40, 30, 40 minutes of this? It's a lot. Yeah, it's crazy. But in any case, uh, Crowleyan. Sends a uh, Rattan, which was a gear that we, th- yeah. that we that was like observing us when we fought Emerald earlier. Yeah, but he's one of those really heavily synced gears, yeah, the like, Project M gears. Right. Yeah. And Mugwort, his partner. Yes, of course. And they they fight against Ellie. I thought it was a little strange that this wasn't actually turned into a real battle. Like it's just a cutscene yeah, of them fighting. It, it was. Um, I'm guessing they just didn't have time to design it. I would hope so. I would hope so. It seemed like a really good place to have a battle in this immense amount of just yeah cutscene dialogue but, but stuff. when you when you do the abstract battle representation that RPGs do but you don't let the character control it yeah but it's not a cutscene yeah it's weird yeah. it's weird to watch and you're just like <laughs> watching the you know the one after each other hit knock on the ground it's like oh, taking no, turns and then do, but, in a you're, <laughs> but you're exactly but you're not involved and so that makes it really <laughs> it's, it's funny. really um really strange but there were a couple of things i liked about it they have this uh, camera move they'll do where they pan behind ellie's gear I did and, like and the, they're the just dynamic camera. Huge, and they're just like yeah, they're bam, 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 yeah. and it makes her look so small and powerless. And they're just like just railing on yes, her, yes, especially <laughs> at the end there, because she like knocks him back, but then they get up, and she's like, yeah. "How is this possible?" And you know, it kind of goes back and forth. It's a very Dragon Ball like sequence where you yeah. think this guy's toast and this guy's definitely more powerful, but then they find like. More power. There's a secret. Yes. Oh, I did not reveal <laughs> yeah. to you before, but I have an actual have, extra power. Yeah. yeah. Nano machines or whatever it is that keeps them going that and then revives them. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if they do. I know well, that Miang later Miang does. Does. But yeah. But anyways, uh, then then she finds some in, in, inner strength to yes, like continue 
But anyway, she ends <laughs> well, up beating Well, that him. makes it a contest of wills, but that's yeah. not necessarily how this one ends. Um, it's very anime, is what I'm getting at. Yes, very But it works. So. Very, it's very not so. like a, it's a good scene, I feel, overall. Um, yeah. But she's really, really injured by the end of this, and Krellian um, takes her away, and uh, Ma, uh, well, th- he leaves well, them she, alive. First she does that crazy beam attack that just right, like, kills him. Kills him immediately, yeah. and then she faints, because that took like all her energy or something. Yeah. yeah. And so, Faye's powerless to do anything, and Krellian and, and Graf mock him for that weakness, yes. uh, but they leave him alive. And he's confused by that. He yes. like, even says, like, I don't know why they left us alive. Yeah. We had to find out why they would do that. So we continued pursuing them. And which is what they wanted, of course. Yes, which yeah. is exactly what they wanted. And this is kind of the whole thing with, uh, like, Miang and, and Kralian. They're, they're basically just manipulating our party the whole time. Yes, to, whole to, like, time. bring everything together for this resurrection and, of and God. You you could say this is a little nonsensical or this it shouldn't work this way but in in a strange way it actually it it makes sense for me a little bit understanding uh what we learned a little bit later about how miang has been around for an incredibly long period of time and she's been kind of making sure that this happens the way that it happens so mm-hmm. after you know 10,000 years it's like things all it's not just one normal person's lifetime who just played their chess pieces so perfectly and yeah. they understand the other people so perfectly that they do exactly what they want. It's like this is a whole process that has played out for a really long time that has led to these inevitable things that do end up yeah. happening that that they know would end up happening because they'd actually been through trial runs. Yes. Like before this several times. For 10, and so years. they actually knew how to do it this time. It just made a lot more sense. It wasn't so mm-hmm. like random or so like oh how coincidental you know yeah so um then we get a the first i felt com like comprehensible gazo ministry scene in the whole game (laughs) (laughs) which is also consequently the last yes (laughs) gazo ministry in the scene i finally felt like hey i understand what these guys are talking about for once so um it cuts to a scene with uh with the gazo ministry they say, the fleshly body of God has been recovered. The anima and animus have all been obtained. All that is left is for, or to do is for us to change into the animus and become one with the mother persona. And Krellian says, that's incorrect. Yes. <laughs> and then he starts unplugging them. Well, and they immediately are like, what? What are you doing? How could you do this? But here's the weird thing. Why not, if all they were going to do was become people and then go be absorbed into mother God, why didn't Krellian just let them do that? Good question. So it's because Krellian... It's not like they were going to go against him or anything. They were, all, they were just going to go to the slaughter to get absorbed into some well, mega let, let's, thing. Well, let's anyway. dig into some of his, um, his dialogue here, Kay. where I think he, he kind of explains that. Um, so he, he, he kind of goes into how, like, he only wanted them alive in order to use the geisha, the geisha key. key that was they the were the ones yeah. who could use the geisha key. And Kane was the only one who could do some other thing. Uh, Kane was, was the was, was the one thing? stopping them from using the geisha key. Ah, okay. So sure, like sure. Kane and the Gazel Ministry have yeah. the ability to use the geisha key. Right. The, the Ministry can't do it unless Kane allows them. Mm, but without Kane, they could then do it. Okay. So now that that has been done and the humans got transformed into wells, which was part of the plan right. to obtain the biological parts needed to repair 
the Deus system, which yeah. we will get into in a minute. This is the whole point, is right. humans are gonna be used as biological parts to like repair the Deus system that was on the Eldridge when it crashed. So it got all broken up and scattered around the world in the crash. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be repaired. It's going to be repaired with both like, you know, steel and, you know, like computer parts, but also with biological Deep. living parts because yeah. that was what Deus was. Right. Deus wasn't just a machine. It was mm -hmm. like a biological machine. Yeah. So <clears throat> it needs both living, organic, and, uh, you know, computer components. Um, and that's what the Geisha Key did. Once the Geisha Key had been used, he doesn't need those guys anymore. And he says, uh, well, they, they basically say, um, in response to that, right, like, you're betraying your mother, or you're betraying the mother. Right. And he says something along the lines of, this is the will of the other mother, right? Right, right. And he goes on to say that you got on the wrong track as to like what the purpose of all this was. You thought you would become God. Right. That's not what's happening here. We are giving ourselves to God, putting mm. ourselves in the hand of God, and that they were trying to arrogantly like be in control of this right. to like become God themselves. Um, <clears throat> he also goes on to say that their genes were scattered because uh, they, the Gazelle Ministry and Cain were, okay, hold on, <laughs> really getting ahead of myself a little bit here. Um, it's in before the I talk <laughs> before I talked about that. Okay, let's break down this line. He says by combining these, and he by these he means the anima, animus, and persona. Mm. Uh, and I will explain what that is in a second. Yeah, that by combining these with my nano machines. Humans will become living beings very much the equivalent of you. Actually, they may far surpass you in becoming worthy terminal interfaces for God. So you are no longer of any use to me. So he thinks he has come up with better animus than the original Gazelle ministry hmm. for repairing God. Hmm. So he doesn't need them. That answers my previous question. Then. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's, okay. that's why he is killing them. Because he feels like he has created an even better animus yeah. than they could be in service of the resurrection of God. Hmm. And that's because his nanotechnology in conjunction with the fact that their genes got scattered. So they're not the only ones who can serve as animus. There are now people living who can be animus too. Right. And this is our party, like Billy and Rico, the people have this animus factor yeah. gene in them, right? And, and I think Krellian knows we will do what he wants us to do. I don't know that Krellian believes the gazelle will do what he wants them yes, to do. Yes, right. He might think that as soon as they get bodies, they actually have their own yeah. idea, right? Right, And exactly. he's probably right with how this game has gone. Yes. So he says, uh, you're no longer of any use to me. Deus, the physical manifestation of God, only wants results. The means are insignificant to him. So this is my ARC plan, my Project Noah. Now, Project mm. Noah was actually the original, um, like, uh, what do you call it? Like the secret title of the game, the tentative name oh, of it while, really? it, was in while it was in oh, I didn't know that. production. Hmm. It was tentatively, or what, was, what do you call that? It's like the, like Near was called yeah, Project the place, Near. the placeholder. It was like a placeholder name until they come up with something else, but yeah, then they just went I with Near. I can't remember. Anyways, code I can't name. remember the, I can't, name. code name I think might be yeah. it. But Project Noah was the original code name for the game. Interesting. <clears throat> He says, may all your worries cease, rest in peace, 
ancestors of mortal man. Now it is just you and I, Sophia. So now let's break down this anima animus persona thing real quick. Deus is the name of this massive so West system. weapon system yeah. that was used by the civilization. And this is explained by Ellie Miang a little later mm -hmm. when they merge into one person. But we'll start here because it's, it's kind of hard to break down what they mean in some of these earlier scenes without knowing some of this. The Deus system was the name of the weapon system that the Eldridge ship was carrying inside of it. It had been decommissioned because mm -hmm. it was so powerful and it was autonomous. It had an AI that mm -hmm. they were like, we have, we can totally lose control of this thing. Yeah. So it was a weapon system that had destroyed an entire planet yeah. on its own, by itself. And they were like, uh, we should probably not use this. This is right. way too powerful. Okay. <clears throat> the, the Deus system has as its energy source, something called the Zohar modifier. Mm. It's like a monolithic slab with a big eye on it. And so that's the energy source. We'll talk way more about that later. But within that eye was a computer, a biological computer, which served mm. as like the brain of Deus. And it's called the catamony. Right. So, and we'll get more into the catamony later as well. Faye and, and Saiten and Bart go up and like, see it at the end of this play session we did and they're looking at it and the original mother's like decomposed body is still in there. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of crazy mm -hmm. stuff with that. But the catamony yeah, cool. is a biological supercomputer that served as like the brain of days, right? And it was, it was plugged straight into that Zohar modifier where it got the energy from. Now, the catamony is made up of three components. So, um, like, they're, and, and they're living components. The, these are the biological portions of this supercomputer. Um, the anima, the animus, and the persona. Hi, everybody. I'm recording this after the podcast uh, to just simplify this section of explaining what the persona, anima, and animus are. Got a little bit too much into the weeds. I think I, I did, uh, a, a, let's just say I complicated it more than I, than I should have. Um, Here's a really great explanation on the wiki. The biological portion of Catamody's interior is sectioned into three parts, the persona, anima, and animus. All three of these are needed for Deus to be able to use Catamony to use the Zohar's power. So, very simply, these three portions, the persona, anima, animus, are the biological pieces of the Catamony's computer, right? The anima refers to the animal relics, which were scattered across the world from the Eldridge crash. So we know what those are. They power our Omni gears when paired, right? The animus was used by the mother of humanity to create the first humans, the first being the 12 members of the Gazal ministry who were charged with looking for the animal relics, as well as Cain, who was charged as their leader. They would go on to mass produce more humans using catamony. So the animus portion of the catamony was used for the creation of human beings. And the mother of humanity was the one who did that. She took the animus from the catamony and created human beings with them. The persona is tied into the creation of the original Elheim and is why on the day of resurrection, Ellie is fated to awaken as the last incarnation of Mia and merged with Deus. Now, for further clarification on this point, um, it is interesting to note that in Xenogears Perfect Works, 
there's an excerpt that says, like MAM, and that's, uh, that's an acronym, M-A-M, standing for magnetic abnormal matter. It's basically the element that makes up the Zohar, which has been a mystery to humanity ever since discovering it. So, like MAM, the origin and nature of persona, the central element of catamony, remain unclear. So, it's the game never really specifies what specifically the persona is, but it is, I mean, from, from what information we do get, it's one of three pieces that are a biological part of the catamony. It's just that persona itself is an element that is mysterious. We don't know precisely what it is, but it's from that that the original mother came, and then the original mother used animus to create humans in order to go out and search for the anima relics, which were lost in the crash, in order to retrieve them and bring everything back into the catamony to be restored, then put back into the Zohar, then reconstruct de the Deo system, and go back to the stars. That's kind of the plan here. The plan is to use the, the material in the catamony, which was animus, to create humans to go find the anima relics, bring them back, and put everything back together and go back to space. That's what they're trying to achieve. The catamony yeah. created a mother, that woman from the opening cutscene with the yeah. purple hair. It like constructed a person with like life. It's like artificial life, but it's also organic. It's indistinguishable from a human being because it is organic material. It's okay, right. It's living organic material. And the, the anima and the animus are and the persona are all the parts in this catamony that give it this ability to do this. Does that make sense? That does, actually. <laughs> it, it actually sounds quite a bit like, what do you call it? Like a path of least resistance. Like something crashes and it, like, what the Ian Malcolm explanation of life will find a way. Yes. Like, God, everything is just hopeless. The, the pieces have fallen. It's completely crashed. But it's like, there is a way and all I have is time. Yes. <laughs> and so, it, let's just get this process started and eventually it'll all come back to me yes. and we can just keep going. And it, the 10,000 years will be a blip yes. in the existence of an infinite being, right? Yes. Yes. So that actually does make sense. Okay. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Now, the technical how <clears throat> is, is you know, impossible, but, you Who know, <laughs> the, the theoretical, you know, philosophical, I get it, you know. Okay. Um, so then we get a scene with Wiseman. He's trying to, like, help Faye out. He's like, you know, Faye's all depressed because he couldn't protect Ellie, couldn't save yeah. her if she got captured. And <clears throat> he basically goes through a little speech where he's like, the reason why you couldn't defeat Graf is because um, you're, not, you're not in the right place emotionally. Like, Graf really like yes. draws his strength from his hatred and his deep, yeah. it's a very Star his Wars emotions. thing. Yes, very Darth much Vader's so. power comes from his hate and anger yes. and all that. And he needs to use his There's lives. actually a lot of parallels yeah. with Graf and Darth Vader and Star mm -hmm. Wars there. We'll get into more of that in a minute. Because he's he, phase five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways. But he, he's basically saying Ellie was able to do what she did because of her deep love and like all these emotions. Yeah. She's able to harness like the power of her feelings mm -hmm. and emotions and that gives her the strength to do what she did. You are not doing that. You need to harness the, like, the power and the strength of your emotions, which is something that Faye has not been willing to do because 
that draws id because id shows up. Yeah, it's and tiring can't for him. Control right? it, his emotions. When, yeah, when he gets emotional, he he gets tired and he gets exhausted. He retreats, and id then takes advantage of that. Right. So he needs to more or less get control of this because yeah. he needs his emotions and his feelings to give him like the strength to do what he needs to do. Mm. But he also needs to not let fate or let id take over by by doing that. He needs to become one whole person. Right. This is more or less what Wiseman is hinting at in the scene. Um, <clears throat> so then he takes off and he's like, all right, uh, they're going to go out and look for Ellie. They go out for two weeks trying to find her. And what they find is that Kralian is constructing his ark, which is called Merkava. It's this like giant pyramid-like structure. Yes. Um, now, Merkava is a bad transliteration for Merkaba. Okay. Which is Hebrew for the chariot of God, like the throne of God on the oh, chariot. Nice. That's what Sweet. that means. So the, so the Merkava is the chariot of God that's going to go back up to the stars. It, he's, cool. The Deus system is contained inside of it. Yeah. Uh, he's reconstructing God inside of the Merkava and he's going to take off back into the stars with it. That's yeah. what that is all about. Um, I think what he says in this little... Uh, narration here is using the data obtained from Raziel and his own nanomachine technology, Karelian had begun the construction of God's Ark, Merkava. Its completion was imminent. To prevent its activation and to rescue Ellie, we headed to Merkava. Now, I don't believe that he built that entire thing. I don't in two either. Weeks. I figured that he <laughs> found it. Yes. I think right? I and I think this is confirmed by some of the scenes from five hundred years ago. When Sophia mm -hmm. like sacrifices herself and kamikazes into that structure, oh, yeah. I believe that was the Merkava oh, was of it? that time, mm, which was okay. damaged so he just by her self-sacrifice. Yeah. I think he just kind of it, it reemerged and he sort of like finished its construction. Yeah, well, it had to have reemerged previous to the past two. Yeah, or maybe the, some of the excavations that were being done. Well, there was a room there that something. looked that sure looked a lot like the Ramses test tube experiments room. Yeah, and the room where Faye, where Karen. That's true. Was so with he was Faye. probably in Merkava yeah. at that time. So it was yeah. just it wasn't, I guess, functional. But it was that it was that same area. So it's been around. He's known about it for a while. He's used yeah. it. Uh, he's probably been trying to fix it up. Yeah. But he only really made a breakthrough recently. Working on it over yeah. the 500 years. Now yeah. its construction is imminent. Its completion is imminent, right? Yep. So you meet the element girls outside of uh, Merkava. They're there to try to help Ramses, who's yes. totally lost it. Yeah. We're there to I help like Ellie. I like this scene. This was nice. Yeah, we're, here, we're there to help Ellie. They're like, don't get the wrong idea. Like, we're not going to help you. But it's like, but our goals are, we, uh, the, we have the same enemy, which is yeah. Crowley and Miang. Yes. We both hate them because they have the person we care about. Yeah. So let's have a truce and not fight each other while we go in and try to help the people we care about, right? That's yep. kind of what happens there. And, uh, you know, Faye kind of does his, like, look, if it gets too intense, just run away. Like, don't try to, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, we'll take care of it. And they're, he's, she's, like, offended by that. Like, wow, we'll show you. Yes. <laughs> we'll make you eat those words. Yeah. We're capable. Like, screw you. Yeah. Right? So you all, you all go in. And it's it, but it, everyone goes in kind of like in different different places. Ways, yeah. yeah, you're kind of descending here through a giant symbol of the angel statue. Yes, it's almost looks like a hologram. It looks yeah, like a digital like symbol. Transparency, but it's missing something. Uh, 
I took this note here. It's what missing you, the fire. It's missing the oh, light the fire in, in the between center. the two. But mm. as we descend in between them, we we are the the fire. The fire that the igniting the force, energy. the energy between the two that makes it possible, right? That yeah. would that would be us that represents that. And that's why that shot's so long. Because I was like, why in the world is this shot so long? <laughs> they're like they're trying to tell me something. Yeah. And I believe that was it as we pass right in between them. Yeah, I was, like, artistically, I feel like I understand the use of the symbol here. Yeah. Um, and just the symbol's, like, recurrence in the game, generally. I think it's sure. an important symbol. Yeah. Um, I, I, from, like, a practical standpoint, I have a little bit of confusion if Krellian is constructing this Merkava. Why he, why is... he would put that symbol in the ship. Because I feel like he lost his faith in yes. the Nissan religion. Yes. When Sophia died. Yeah. And we'll get into that in a minute because there's a big cutscene about that. And and he feels like he needs to do what he needs to do he without to, Sophia. He, like he loses, needs to carry on alone. Yeah, right? he loses his faith in that God. Yeah. And he goes out to make his own God. And so I, I, I just wondered why <laughs> that symbol would appear in the Merkava. Yeah. Uh, which Crowleyan is constructing. I, I wonder what his purpose was in doing that. I would Just from only, a practical I standpoint. would only say that the fire being gone is important sure. because the fire represented some type of divine intervention yeah. of sorts that, that enabled the two because they're not touching. They're almost touching. It's like the Michelangelo Sistine Chapel <laughs> thing. They're almost touching but not quite. And um, that energy in between them is what enables them to truly come together and become more. Right? And Ramses has this image of them almost touching without that in between and that he believes that God is unnecessary for humans to come together to achieve whatever they need to do. That would be my interpretation of that. Okay. <laughs> just right there. Just yeah, and that. I think artistically that's like a... I did think about that. ...a fine reason to like include the symbol. It's just from like a... more of like the logical, practical... I wonder why Krellian would include that symbol in the ship. Because he's not he's maintaining, too attached to any other person. Right? He's trying to maintain some um, remnant of Sophia or something like as, yeah. a, as a motivator for him to... Because he does want Sophia to guide him. He says that at the end of the scene where he loses all yeah. his faith. Sophia, guide me as I go on this new path to like create God. Right, that's Maybe true. it has something to do with that, but anyways, and, and I don't know why he would do when that. When things happen towards the end of this, um, he is more or less beholden to this woman now. Yeah. This um, Miang type that shows up. Right. So anyways, uh, you, you keep going in and you fight Ramses here. <clears throat> um, and he starts to explain a lot more about his background. Um, you see a scene where uh, he's in like a, a nano reactor tube as like an embryonic life form. And I think it's really interesting that each time they've shown this, it doesn't look anything like a human. Like no. in the embryo form, yeah, that's Ramses true. looks nothing like a human fetus yeah. or something like that, right? It looks like something totally weird. Which I think is interesting because I think Krellian says he's not even human at some point here in a minute. Like oh, as they're he? like talking down to him and trying to incite him to kill Miang, mm. like I think he says something about you're not even human or something like that. Mm. Um, so maybe that's like a way of like representing his lack of like true humanity or something. Um, but uh, in the scene you have, um, you have Krellian and Miang looking into this nanoreactor tube thing. And Krellian kind of describing how this was meant to be an artificial contact. 
But then this woman in blue, who we did see a little bit earlier last time Ramses was talking about his background, right? Mm -hmm. um, comes walking in. And uh, Kralian says, um, this time your body is young. And Miang, who mm -hmm. is taking control of this woman, Karen, says the previous one got too old. Um, I'm not quite sure. There's one detail I'm a little hazy about, which is like Miang later when, when she gets cut down by Ramses, by Ramses says yeah. it's in my nature that I can't kill myself. So I wonder but if I thought that was Miang, the nano machine thing. Because well, no, um, you might be. Let me right. bring up the actual line. So she can't kill herself, but she also can't just her spirit can't just hop. She has to actually. Yeah, die. she says, "Good. This is how I wanted it, Car. I am fated so as not to be able to kill myself." So, 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 so her previous body just died of old age. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. She just got is, like ninety years old. Is like she just had to stay in that body until it died all the way, and then she could take a new body. Interesting. Anyways. Interesting. I'm not sure what the rules are around that. I don't know if she physically that. can't kill herself, but that, like you mentioned, the protocol of yeah, the goddess that's in her is like, you can't do this. You can't. Yeah. Don't, don't do it. It's like part of the programming. The programming, yeah. You yeah. can't kill yourself. We'll get into that more in a second, too. <laughs> like the difference between Miang and Ellie, right? right. But um, anyways, I, I think what this is signifying is that she has to stay in a body until it dies before she can jump into a new one. And I case. believe that Ellie, when she merges with Miang later, says something about it being um, like there's like a probability element to that. Mm. So maybe maybe she doesn't even like necessarily choose specifically who, who she's she going to be into? next. It's just she's going to awake in someone. Somebody. Any woman, but someone. Because all the women have the potential for her to awaken in them, right? Yes. So all women, and I, I do wonder how it chooses. It's got to be something along the lines of who has a greater resonance towards it, or something like uh, yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know. Because she goes right into Ellie. Yeah. And it's like that wasn't. That it's was not like she went to some other random person. It was clear that Ellie is the prime person to go to, or it could have been just been proximity-wise. She's the closest. Maybe. Girl. Or maybe there's something in terms of like the the fate of all of this, right? To yeah. where when the time is right, they need to be it put back happens. into one again. Hmm. Like the two of them need to merge back into one again. I don't know. But in any case, the old body that Miang had inhabited died and got too old. Right. And so now she's inhabiting this body of Karen, who was Faye's mother. I really like the reveal there. Um, it's pretty sinister. It's, she says... Uh, Individual names have no meaning to me. She's saying that the new body is Karen. Uh, is that thin? Is that thing inside the nanoreactor there the one? And then Kralian says the emperor's been told it's a prototype for an artificial contact. So Kralian was actually making clones of the emperor because he wanted mm. he needed someone to kill the emperor. Mm. That's what Cain was made for. But maybe secondarily. Um, part of his purpose was to be this artificial contact to make now, contact with the Now, how is he going to do that? How, I how don't do you, know. How do you make an artificial... How is that even possible? I don't, they don't really explain no, what, the, what the science was behind that okay. or why they felt like he might be able to do it. Hmm. But they, I guess, had probably been waiting for close to 500 years now yes, for a contact is, to emerge, and they just... Is it in part 
because Graf stuck around so long that that because you would think that the reincarnation idea being that somebody dies, you really have to wait a while for them to be reborn, or yes. it's not immediate once they die. I don't reborn. think there's any kind of pattern necessarily to okay. to predict it where or up. when a contact will be okay. reincarnated again, okay. because you have. Abel, the original, which was 10,000 years ago. Right. Then you have Kim, which was 4,000 years ago. That there were that they had kids and passed down the contact gene. In every generation? I assumed that. Now, and I that don't, these are just the stories we're focusing on, and the other I, ones didn't do anything. I don't think that's the case. I may be wrong, but I don't think that's the case. I think that the mm. contact has only reincarnated in Abel, from Abel to Kim to Lacan to Faye. Okay. So just the three... Just looking at that, you could say that it's getting more frequent, right? Because it was 6,000 yeah, 6, to Kim. And then, then 3,500. 3, and then just 500. And, then 500. and so I, I get it. It came down to this. If it didn't work for Faye, I don't know that it ever would have happened. But, but you could assume that it may, would have only been 20 years the, for the next contact. You know? The other element to this is that the time of the gospel is really close. Yeah. And, and they're starting like, to, they maybe to. we won't get a contact in time. Well... Right, and so they're desperate. So they're, so like, they're maybe trying to make an make artificial one. contact. Yeah. Um, I also think that nature would be sensing the time of the gospel is getting near because is the is time of the gospel have anything to do with this general protocol and deus and all of that? So, or is it is it artificially by Cain saying, hey. No, no. This is um, this is like a biological time limit. Okay. So if the the um, if the contact is starting to be born more and more frequently, that would posit the idea that the powers that be also feel that it's time is getting closer, closer right? Yeah. Like the, everything's we're, compressing. We're getting down to the wire. We're starting to, okay, now it's only 500. Let's get another one going. Let's do this. Yeah. Okay. Not sure what the rules are around that, but I believe, um, yeah, it was like they couldn't find, they had no idea when the next contact would be right. uh, born. And so they were trying to create an artificial contact. Okay. But then Miang happens to embody Karen, who is the mother of the contact. And that's just chance, Very right? fortunate circumstances right. for Miang's or purposes. Or Providence Destiny stuff. Sure. Okay. So um, Karelian says the Emperor's been told it's a prototype for an artificial contact. Uh, Miang says it's moving. Can it hear us? This is really interesting to me. She wants to make sure first that the thing is understanding what they're saying. This is the cruelty of Miang. Mm. And Crowley says, yes, it already has a will of its own. And then she says, then I have a better way. Let's dispose of it. We don't need this. We have my child. My child will be four this year. I checked it out. There's no mistake. It's a contact. She didn't come out with this information until, until she, she confirmed that the embryo could hear that they were going to discard it in place of a real contact. Right. Then she decided to say it, which I thought was especially cruel. I mean, could that have something to do with uh, this plan she's putting into place? Like, hey, I'm going to get close to this guy later on. Possibly, yes. And he will hate my guts and he will kill me and that's what I want. Yes. Right. I mean, all part of a plan. Yeah. Like, all looking forward. I, how right. can I manipulate this? How can I use this? Yes. To my advantage Use his later. hate, so make him full of resentment. Make him, yeah. so she forced that on him. That's yes. crazy, knowingly. She, that's she, and that's what I thought was so interesting is that she, she checked first to make yeah. sure 
and then went through all of this. Um, and then Kralian says, uh, what's the name of your child? She says, my child's name is Faye. And that's like the big reveal. Like, mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, Faye's mother was meowing all the time. Yeah. So you know what this means? Kralian says, a corresponding antitype is, and she says, yes, probably already born somewhere. So seemingly, ah. when the contactors are born, oh, the antitype right. is also born. That's it. Okay, okay. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So Because like, Miang is continuous, but Ellie and Faye are, just happen to be... These huge gaps in between yeah. their reincarnations. Okay, okay. So... That makes sense. They know that an antitype and contact are out there somewhere. And the time of the gospel is really close. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so we see all of that in like the, the flashback for for Ramses there. And then the element girls come in and they try to talk some sense into Ramses. They're like, no, we're not opposing you. We're not trying to censor you. Mm. We're not <laughs> betraying you. Yeah. We're trying to help you. We're trying to do what's in your best interest. And he doesn't listen to them. He just wants to kill Faye so bad. Um, and so you end up fighting him and beating him. We kinda, knock him through a wall. Yeah, and he's kind of like laying there on the ground. Yeah. By the way, his new gear, this is not the same one as before. I don't, I'm, so I don't recognize the gears. I yeah. really don't. He I had have like, a hard time recognizing He had like gears. a golden one before. Well, I, I get the color. Yeah, it was like a yellowish golden and one. And I'm guessing Faye in his system id new Veltal just like destroyed it or something. <laughs> last time they fought. Oof. And now he's in this like well, really weird Well, but he had the Omni one. gear that he fought us in the sky. Yeah. Right? And he threw and us I down. And I think that's the one that Faye like destroyed when oh, they fought again. The oh, okay. Because mm. because he beat Faye up. And yes, you and go then down in the forest Melchior, we killed him again. And then, and then Melchior enhanced the Veltal with yeah. the system id mode. And then we quickly... And then we beat him up then. And, and so that gear, new gear is gone. I'm guessing Faye yeah. went overboard and like trashed <laughs> that one too bad. And now he's in this really freaking dumb looking one. <laughs> it's like a purple thing with like uh, Other than color. Two Sets of arms and they're like doing this. Yes, it, he's just sitting there punching his <laughs> own punching fist. His fist I'm gonna get you. It's really weird looking. Yeah, that was great. Anyway, oh, color I get, but everything else, like what, how many wings they have and yeah. how many spikes they have and which it's, weapon uh, they're using. It's PS1 it's, graphics. It's difficult to tell. Yeah. <laughs> difficult to tell. Uh, anyways, you go further in, and my goodness, what a scene you get here. Yeah, this is pretty wild. <sighs> okay, so so we go past the Ramses test tube. Yeah, and um, you come into essentially where the body of De the Deus system is being kind of like, yeah, it's, it's like a big like dome, dome. Yeah. with eyes on it. It's being sort of reconstructed there. Ellie is again being, she's hung on a cross. She's being like crucified there. They're talking about how her sacrifice and, and melding again with Deus is like part of the time of the gospel resurrection stuff. She needs to yeah. like become one with it again. Um. And we sort of confront them. Uh, this is where you fight Miang and her Omni gear, which is the one we saw in Solaris while we were kind of going with Saitan, like down into like the bowels. Where oh, the one that was underwater yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah, that, that was crazy. That gear is this one that yeah. Miang uses to fight us. Yeah. And uh, even if you win the fight, she just gets back up and they're like, ha ha, like, you, you can't, can't defeat me, me. I have nanomachines. Yeah, you can't kill her. So you can't win because nanomachines, son. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that uh, clip? It's from um, uh, Metal Gear Rising. Oh, Do you no. never played Metal Gear I Rising? Played. I've only played one Metal Gear game. Okay, hold on, I just gotta show you this. Because <laughs> that's funny. Why won't you die? <laughs> 
nanomachine, son. <laughs> Why won't you die? Nanomachine, nanomachine son. son. That's great. It's awesome. Uh, we should cover that game at some point on the podcast. That'd be a freaking roller coaster. Well, I've heard just in terms of deep games that are philosophically based, Metal Gear is Metal Gear is a series. Those would be awesome. Yeah, Metal Gear Rising. Just that one is. The silliest freaking game of all time. It's 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 the dumbest you know, thing ever. You know, but though, it's really I'm, fun. I'm kind of I'm kind of up for a silly game after <laughs> after Xenogears. <laughs> like a really just fun, silly, mindless game. So, anyways, you can't kill her because now machine sunk. Um. So okay, let's let's take a look at some dialogue here. Okay. Um. Oh, they start to feel like the party starts to feel like they're being like sucked in. Or something like something's yeah. like torn apart from the inside. Yeah, well, one of them says that. What is it? Um, I feel like I'm being torn apart. Or, Billy yeah, somebody's somebody. just like, yeah, Billy. Like, it's tearing me apart. And what's happening is that the anima relics are being torn from their gears and mm. like combining back into days again. Yeah. So they wanted to bring all of them there. They baited them in so they could take the anima relics yeah, back. Yeah. Right, so that's that's why they did all this. This is why Miang and I should clarify, Krellian and Miang baited them all in here so that they could obtain all the anima relics again. They already have those that the that the ministry had obtained earlier, but mm-hmm. the ones that are paired with our gears had to be yeah. gotten back as well. So our gears are separated from their anima relics, and now they're just normal gears again. Mm. <clears throat> Now, the way that it shows it, it shows the gears themselves being sucked in, but that's not what's happening. It's because you see the characters in their gears later. They still have their gears. Yeah, but it's like the spirit of the gear. It's just the anima relic. You know, when we were going through, um, not that long ago, just going through place to place, getting the new anima relics within the gears all around, right? Like in the... In the, in the different areas, whatever. It was like a little ghost hologram that would flicker on, and yes. then it would disappear, and all of a sudden their gear, oh, my gear has this new thing right now, right? But it was like a spirit kind of thing, right? Yeah. But that's what anima means. Anima means spirit, technically. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's right. where this is going. So uh, Miang says, this is the true meaning of the anima relics, to attain their respective animus and return to the persona. I kind of explained that earlier, right? Mm. The anima relics are really one set of parts that made up Deus, in particular the catamony. They were the, the biological parts of the catamony. Mm-hmm. The physical manifestation of God. They regain their original powers or functions by aligning themselves with their destined partner, the animus. So the anima and the animus have to pair together within the catamony to work, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, an omni-gear that has lost its respective anima relic is but a puppet. And then Kralian says, and this girl too was destined to become one with God. You see, Elheim is really one of the parts of God as well. Put simply, you served to help bring all the parts of God together here for me. You're a bunch of stupid fools, or you're a bunch of stupid fools, it's as if you're all clowns. Yeah, so, Considering that the catamony created the original mother, who is both Ellie and Miang, which we'll explain in a second, they also need to go recombine with the persona and the persona with the anima and animus to complete the catamony, which then goes back in the Zohar, which then goes back in the days. (laughs) 
Hopefully that makes sense at this point. I think I've explained gotcha. it three times. Gotcha, gotcha. Hopefully that sticks now. Uh, Miang then confirms that she and the Gazel Ministry basically fabricated the legends of man's origins. Right. And uh, how the universe was created and, you know, that story that was passed down. Um, but that was just a legend. Just a legend. They made it up <laughs> yeah. to control people. Uh, Ramses then comes in and he's like, what's my purpose? You know, like, he's kind of almost like giving up on life at this point. He's just mm-hmm. like, he's just like forlorn and just like, please tell me I have a reason to exist. Yeah. <laughs> Begging her, meaning. And she just uh, continues to um, antagonize him. With she, like, I think I'm right about that. I, she's trying to get him to kill her. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, like this, like is, the whole time. The only was, thing about this that I think is that the only thing that I think is kind of weird about this is I don't know why Krellian couldn't have just been the one to do it. I know that is a little strange. Like I don't know if she if can't she kill wanted herself. Ramses to kill her. I wonder if she connected with him on some different now, level. Now, now here's we we aren't useful. Our use is to help something else, and that's yes. not fun. Here is where right. I do have. One maybe thing that that I think might be interesting to think about. Okay. So she baits him into killing her by being cruel to him. Um, yeah, but then what she but, says. But then when when she's actually dying, she says, "Good. This is how I wanted it, Car. I am fated so as not be able to kill myself. Now all my wishes have come true, thanks to you." And I wonder. I wonder how much of the original personality of the women that Miang takes over mm. are still there. Like they don't have control. They can't do anything about it. Like Miang is in total yeah. control of them. Completely. But I wonder if they well, are Karen, totally melted. Karen has or, a moment. Yes. She has a I moment. I think they're still there somehow. I think you're right. I, I think, think right. that, and, and think of how horrible that is. This woman who was yeah. taken over probably as a young girl, this, this current version of Miang. Yeah, yeah. Because it would have been after Karen died that she jumped probably into this body. Yes. Yes. And and in somewhere in Solaris, and in a sec- as a second old. class citizen or something yeah. like that, and went up through the ranks of Gebler and whatever. Yes. This girl probably had to be witness to all the horrific stuff mm. that she was being made to do by some being inside of her she had no control over. That's probably true. And had a relationship with Carr and saw all the manipulation of this man that she, I don't know how she felt, but this this person might have felt about him, but she's probably witnessing all of this. Yeah, yeah. I'm, that's my theory. I think that these hmm. these women are still that conscious. Makes sense. That They're makes still sense. there. They're still witnessing it. They just have no control of what's that's happening. That's crazy. And what a horrible, horrible, like, fate. Yeah. Right? To, like, have literally no control of anything and just have to watch all of this happen. Yeah. And I wonder if I in the final easy. moments, kind of similar to Karen, you know, has she changed in those final moments? Yeah. If this is the girl kind of coming back out and saying, like, I'm glad you were the one mm-hmm. to end this for some reason. I don't know. Just something that I thought might Yeah. Well, that's very interesting. That. To what extent could to what extent could Karen stepping in front of the energy be considered killing herself? Killing her oh. Good question. <laughs> and we'll get to that later, but but there's that's a great question. When you say you can't kill yourself, but you can walk in front of a train, or you can yeah, walk in front of a bullet else. to save someone else. That's a very good loophole. I think you've discovered. Well, no, no, but I <laughs> or a plot hole. I mean, <laughs> maybe, but I do think it still has some relevance to the programming, which is the programming can't kill itself, but if the human wakes up for a brief moment. 
then whatever happens, happens. Yeah, but maybe the programming is still limited in what it can was do. Was it uh, Karen's love that like overcame Miang mm. for a fraction of a second to dive in front of Faye? And or, it wasn't Miang yeah, I don't know. deciding to do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That would be, yeah, my, that would be my like off-the-cuff explanation of that. Okay. But I don't know what the rules are. Fair enough. I don't All either. the I don't magic either. in this game is either. soft magic, and I have no idea how it works. Yes. Um, okay. I oh. like your theory, by the way. I like that. That sounds, that would make, uh, add a layer of depth to this game if that were true. Yeah, I really like also how after Ramses like, cuts her down and then runs over and cuts Krellian down yeah. too, that he just turns and just goes to Miang's side and he just kind of like, yep. just like slumps over and he doesn't say anything or do anything for the rest of the scene. Yeah. He's just at Miang's side. Yep. So obviously he cared about her. He had a relationship yeah. with her and cared about her pretty deeply. He's very yeah. affected by this. Right. And he's at, the, he's at his wit's end. He's like, I don't have a purpose anymore. I cannot kill Faye. Uh, my, you, you know, the person I looked up to the most has just told me how useless my existence is after having killed Cain, which was what I was used to do. Yes. Now I have no purpose anymore, and he's just he's just defeated. He's just yeah. totally defeated at this. I point. actually really like that. And he just doesn't care anymore yeah. about what's happening around him. Um, so then Faye goes up to try to get Ellie down from the cross. And as soon as that happens, she just turns and shoots him. Yes, she shoots him. <laughs> Which is just like, you think like this has gone totally crazy and then like another thing just happens. It's like, what? I what? know. What? It's just like elevating, it just elevating. crazier. I didn't know who she shot at first. Because <laughs> they show her gun and then. And then she transforms. Her hair turns purple. Yeah. And this is Miang coming back and fusing together with Ellie. Yeah. Um, awakening inside of Ellie. And so this is the this is Miang Ellie, who was the original mother, the purple-haired woman at the, the, very, beginning. At the very beginning from the Eldridge crash. Yeah, there, there was so, the two of them fused or whatever. I remember right? when that happened. I was like, "Is this going to be like? Is this going to be a femme fatale or like?" Anyways, it ended up being all three. Basically, it ended up being <laughs> the mother. Oh right, the Your mother, the femme fatale, and the fun-loving child. All in type. one. It was all of them. I actually remember someone in the comments yeah. being like, "Oh, Kason, why does it have to only be one?" <laughs> in response to you from that video, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, typically it ends up they, being all of them. <laughs> you can combine in different, and everyone goes through those stages of their life. But uh, yeah, I, I guess um, all three of them, though. All three. All three archetypes in one. Yeah, that's crazy. So she goes on to explain basically everything that happened with the Eldritch. Okay, yeah. Um, I wrote the whole thing down just in case there were like elements of it. If, if a question gets brought up, I might have to like look up okay. and see what she says. But I'm not going to read the whole thing. Well, I'm I just going to try and summarize it. I didn't take it. any notes. Um, during that part. It was just too long, too much info, and I didn't even know what to write down. Yeah. I just kept going. The basic part of it is this, and I've like already, I've already kind well. of, I've already earlier already kind of said yeah. this, but I'll say it again just for thoroughness, for I guess. For clarity. The humans of the intro movie sequence are mm. the far descendants of us, so like way in our future. Right. When we're colonizing the freaking galaxy, mm -hmm. right? Um, there was a war happening at that time, a galactic war. And a weapon, um, an autonomous, like, intelligent weapon 
with its own life. It's an artificial life. But it's made of both mechanical and biological parts. Mm. A weapon called Days, a system, a weapon system called Days, was created as, I don't know, to be used in this war mm. to, to, for whichever side to like subjugate the other. Uh, in a test run of this weapon, it destroys a planet. They did not mean to do that. <laughs> they were testing it, <laughs> and it yeah. destroyed a whole freaking planet. And they were like, oh crap, yeah. this is way too powerful. We gotta decommission this thing. We gotta get rid of it. So they broke it up. They actually like, um, what's the word she used? Hold on, I wanna make sure I get this right. Uh, it was dismantled. She says, the creators of Deus found its immeasurable power to be too much of a threat and hence forcibly shut it down. In order to analyze the cause of the problem, the core was dismantled and placed on an interplanetary emigrant passenger ship to be transported to another planet. So it- Why, why'd they do that? They, they dismantled it. They were going to analyze what went know, wrong. Let's just that say ship. that the president that made the decision to put that bomb on that ship <laughs> did not get reelected. <laughs> but also, this, this brings up the question, are there still other human alien people out there? Yeah, apparently there would That's be. That's crazy. There would be. I assumed that all of humanity was contained on the Eldridge. And no. everyone, and this was it. And it was the Ark. It was like nope. the savior of all, all people humans are, are dead. still out there. Oh, that's crazy. That's actually really cool, but... And who knows if... I did not know Actually, that. who knows by this time? Because right, 10,000 years later, each if they, in that war, they haven't, like, yeah. destroyed each, themselves yet. That's we don't really know what, what the fate of that galactic spacefaring humanity is. Okay. They could eventually rediscover the humans here being like, what the heck? Exactly. Yeah. So anyways, they disassembled it and they're transporting it. This is where you get the opening scene where it's like Alpha One and Omega One, because Alpha One was, I think, where the catamony was stored. Oh, okay. And Omega One was like another piece, right? So it was broken, dismantled, and like Alpha One and Omega One are like working together to try to like take mm -hmm. over the ship and like reconstruct itself. Mm. So that's like what's happening in the opening cutscene is, is Deus is, is already working to like take over the Eldridge and reconstruct itself and then it wants to go somewhere. It's trying to go to what they called the um, main planet. The main I planet. remember that, the main planet. Now I don't know what in the world that means and did it get there? That is explained in perfect works what the main planet okay. is. So I'll wait until our final, final episode when we read but the perfect works. where story. they ended up? Is not no, the main not planet. the main planet. Okay, because they they're going to the main, the main planet, and then they crashed it's after like, the war. It's like I assumed they were there. It, the, uh, Deus is beginning to log in the coordinates to the main planet, and, and it's, they, it's starting to compress space and to go faster than the light travel there. But okay. um, they they self destruct before the ship actually jumps, oh, okay. and then it, it crashes on the planet nearby. But yeah, it was going to go to the main planet, and that's what they were like. That's unacceptable. Deus, this freaking ultra-powerful AI computer, nuclear destructive, yeah. planet-destroying weapon cannot go to the main planet, right. self-destruct. Okay, okay. <laughs> so Kay. that's... That clears up a lot. The captain of the Eldridge up a lot. saved the main planet from cool. Deus. Nice. By self-destructing the Eldridge. Great, great bravery. Good job by him. <clears throat> um, okay. And then, and okay, and so as it's crashing, Deus knows that it needs to eject 
its brain, the catamony, for a soft landing if it has any chance of reconstructing yeah. itself. So it separates the catamony from the Zohar and it has a soft landing on that little cliff face where we find it later. Yeah. And then it, it create it, its protocol creates these human beings that it genetically makes from the material of the catamony, the animus, to go out, gather its parts back together, reconstruct it, and then go back to the main planet. Gotcha. That's its goal. You, you might have to say that one more time before this podcast <laughs> is over. Is that the fourth time? That was the fourth time. Okay. okay. Um, so it's attached to the catamony from the Zohar, she says. Uh, oh, and then she explains that the Zohar is what drives all of the gears on their planet. It's also all their ether energy. Too. Yes. Uh, one of the things I think uh, Satan says later on, he says, once we destroy it, we no longer can use magic in our gears. Nothing yeah. will work anymore. Because the Zohar is like the yeah. power source for freaking everything. Everything. On this planet. Yeah, even, yeah. Very interesting. So, um, so they explain that. Um, now, I might want to get into a little bit of what the Zohar is a reference to real quick. Um, sure. So, the Zohar in this game is an infinite energy engine that powers days. Uh, and all their gears and all their ether and everything. But what it is a reference to is like a foundational work of literature on like uh, Kabbalistic Jewish mystical yeah. thought. It's like, a, it's like a commentary on um, some of the mystical aspects of the Torah. But uh, so you have like the Torah itself, but then mm -hmm. the, there's this idea of something called a, a, an oral Torah, which is like some of the more secret parts oh, yeah. of like the mysteries of God that were handed down by the prophets. And I think the Zohar is meant to like reveal some or? of those things, mm. a, a, a record of some of those oral truths, some of those oral, mm. that oral Torah. Right, mm -hmm. so it's meant to have been uh, like compiled by what's the guy's name? So it, it first appeared in Spain, which was then the Kingdom of Leon in the 13th century. Mm -hmm. um, there was a, a Jewish writer named Moses de Leon um, who ascribed the work to this guy, Shimon Bar Rochai which was a person a long time ago, like a rabbi from Yeah, forever. he claimed he just translated it. Right? Yeah, or, or compiled the material. Or yeah, the, the material far predates that, but I don't think we have the original stuff. So I don't know if that's verifiable. Of course. But that's what he said. Uh, there's also people who dispute that and say that Leon himself was the author of yeah, the exactly, Zohar. Because we don't have but, the original text of the Zohar. Right. Because apparently it was, a lot of it was oral tradition anyway. Right, sure, yeah. Anyways, that's what the Zohar is in real life. <laughs> um, it's, it's this book that is a commentary on the, the deeper meanings of the Torah, some of the oral um, secrets, the oral Torah, and some of the more like, um, like mystical aspects of uh, the secrets of God or something like that. Mm. It has nothing to do really with what the Zohar is in uh, Xenogears except for the fact yeah, that I, I didn't the see, Zohar see contains the wave existence. So like the secrets of oh, God sure. are contained okay. in the contained Zohar. As if it was a book. And it's Maybe. kind of rectangular shaped. 
maybe that's like <laughs> the connection or why they decided to call it that. But. Okay. Okay. Um, what is else? What else does she go on to explain? Um, oh, this part really tripped me up. This took me a while, and and talking to uh, Pat Holloman a little bit, who's going to be on our podcast on the final episode. Oh, cool. To to like get a sense of this because I feel this is really really badly explained here by Ellie Miang. Oh yeah. Um, she says I'll just kind of go back a little bit. It wasn't just to restore its old body. Because I think Saiten says something like, all the people in the world were created solely to resurrect Deus. Mm. So she's explaining how all the humans are meant to be used as biological pieces to repair Deus. Right. right? So like, they're all being gathered together and their genetic material is going to be like, combined back to fix this Deus system and go back to the stars again. And so Saiten's like, what the fetch? Like, all the people on Earth mm. are meant to be used as replacement parts for Deus. That's crazy. And she's like, yes, but it wasn't just to restore its old body. More than half of Deus is constructed of biological parts. Do you remember those mutated humans, the wells? Those are all people who were destined to become replacement parts for Deus. Almost all the people are destined to become parts for Deus. But you people gathered here are different. You could say you escaped that destiny by existing through multiple generations. I was really confused by this because I knew only Faye and Ellie were reincarnating. But this and is me everybody. technically. But she's saying you escaped that destiny. I thought well, she was talking the to factor, the whole party. The factor, right? Yes. So this is more or less what I think is, is, is happening here. When they use the Geisha key, all of the humans on the planet oh, were supposed for us. to become wells. Oh, okay. Right. But there was actually a portion of people that didn't transform at all. Yeah. And in particular, the us, the haves, yeah. versus the have-nots. And there was like a sliding scale. Some people like sort of transformed, but not all the way. What was supposed to happen was every freaking person was supposed to become a well. Mm. Only the people with the animus factor, which was meant to be Cain and the Gazel ministry, Right. We're not supposed to transform. Mm. However, as Krellian was explaining earlier, part of their genes got scattered. Oh, so a lot of people have. So a lot of, of people have this animus factor. Mm. And it was because of that that they didn't transform. Mm. I believe is what she's saying. That when she's saying you escaped that destiny, I think it's a more general you, as in like you, the people who didn't transform into wells, mm -hmm. all of you, all of mankind that did not, uh, survived through uh, the generations, meaning your genes. Despite all of the right. genetic engineering that Kralin and Miang did, they could not prevent because of the wave existence and what it gave to Ellie, some of the genetic factor that, mm. that has that animus factor in it, right, got spread into this current generation of humans. Hmm. So... Um, what she's saying here is that there aren't enough biological parts due to this for Deus to resurrect itself because so many people yes. did not transform into wells. Yeah, there's not enough. There's not enough parts because of it. Yes, I do so remember that. So Crowlian had to make up for that. She says Crowlian compensated for what was lacking with his nanomachines. Okay. That does make sense to me. Yes. That does, the way you explained it. <laughs> yes. The way they say it, say it, it makes no sense at all. <laughs> no. 
because it was like two sentences. <laughs> I, they, they just they have such complex. Like <laughs> it was difficult for the, enough for them to just convey this just in normal parlance, but yes. they had to put it into like three sentences and then move on so the kids wouldn't get bored. <laughs> and so it's like this is how they summed it up. And okay, fair enough. If you're gonna do it that quick, I don't know that it's possible. I also don't know that it should be done if it needs to be done that quick. Yeah. But that it's just the time constraint that just like force them into this corner where they only have three sentences to explain this crazy <laughs> concept. You know what though? There is a religious, um, what do you call it? A religious doctrine um, behind the idea of everybody kind of becoming God again. This is something I think that Catholic and Orthodox churches would teach is the, the there's, there's different doctrines of theosis, right? Yes. There's the theosis that is, um, believed amongst certain Christians is that you, your spirits go, uh, uh, raise up to heaven and then are absorbed back, back into, into God, God yes. right? And that's a, that's a teaching amongst a lot of the current Christians. It's in uh, Jewish mystical traditions too, okay, with, so with, that, re, with uh, joining back with the Ein Sof, which is like what uh, God was before he became the oh, God okay. we know, right? The gotcha. original Yes. Ein Sof, unknowable being. Yes, and Th Gnosticism, that's time. That actually comes from Egypt. Gnosticism, There's the god above gods that's outside of time. Right. Which is like, because there needs to be one, so there is one. And, and then it, yeah. Know, anyways, yeah. I and, then, and then Gnostic, Gnostic teachings had a similar doctrine of the monad, right? Being like yeah. the, and so when people die, their spirits go back. The light of the monad, which is what gives us our life or whatever, mm. goes back and rejoins with the monad again. Yes, yes. And this is you and that's find a type it, of theosis, right? Yes. A type of becoming God, right? Yes. And, and in some ways, it's like the um, at the very beginning of this game, the "you shall be as gods" kind of thing, is like, well, if you are part of God, are you not akin to God in some way? You're yeah. a part of Him. You are you are as God, right? Because you are a part of God. Anyways, right. It's just a different fulfilling of that type of idea done in Xenogears. And a creative one. I, I actually kind of like yeah. it. Yeah, and, and the interesting part of it is that this was kind of used both in this game and in Final Fantasy VII. Because in oh. Final Fantasy VII, it's the Genova reunion. The reunion, It's yeah. the same concept and where all they, the people with Genova cells are coming back and they all to rejoin reassemble. as Genova again. Yeah. Right? Yep, so that concept true. is that's there true. as well. But yeah, here it's like there's two and elements Genova to it. Genova is also Jehovah. Yes. Anyways, okay. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> here, um, there's kind of two parts of it. It's like Kralian and the villains don't understand that Deus is a demiurge. It's not the real God. So they're right. trying to merge back with Deus. But like the purer doctrine is the wave existence. Yes. Is that like there is the monad of this more abstract. universe. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's contact with that that yeah. you really want, not with Deus, which is this corrupted demiurge well, that it, is a, cr it's a, artificial it's a crappy creation. god. Yeah, it's an artificial <laughs> imitation, yeah. Yeah, it's not like, it's, 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 a, it's a corrupt, imperfect, like incomplete god. Right. And uh, what's interesting also, another element to this is that I think what people were meant to transform into, they turned into wells, these mm. awful like zombie monster things. Yeah. The, what they were meant to become was the Seraph Angels. Okay, and we see those a little later. Only Krellian's genius with his nanomachines could make the wells then transform into what they're supposed to be, which is the Seraph Angels that go around with the Merkava destroying everybody. Oh. So Krellian makes up for Deus's 
in, insufficiency in, in multiple, as a god in multiple ways as a demiurge yeah. who is not good at what he's supposed to do huh. who could not actually create the seraph angels it wanted or needed it actually so, made wells which were useless yes <laughs> and and Krellian had to step <laughs> in with the nanotechnology yes. to like transform them into what they're meant to be so um yeah Krellian Krellian Worships slash is at the mercy of an incomplete god. Well, his, his whole that's goal... One, that's one-winged angel stuff right there. Yeah, his whole Honestly. goal is to create God himself. Yes. And this is and that he does the mention existing that in the previous. thing in the world in which he could then, okay, I need to like step in and like help God reform itself and then I'll join with it. Sure. Is like his whole... Mo his whole motive his, of the game. His hubris. This is, this is what he's trying to do, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, that's interesting. So God, Deus, the Demiurge, was not even capable of fulfilling its own plan because it's a corrupted God. It's not... Sure. It's not... It's, uh, not, it's not a monad. It's not pure, a wave yeah. existence. It's incomplete. It's a it thinks it knows what experiment. it's doing, but it sucks. <laughs> and Crowleyan had to help it. <laughs> It'll get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, so, that's crazy. That's crazy. Wow. Anyways, kind of a lot going on there. Yeah, dude, I didn't get that from there. Yeah, because it's not that well explained <laughs> <laughs> in the game itself. Um, I wrote this down to uh, Miang says, I am Miang, the keeper of time, the representative of our god, Deus. I was born to guide the people toward the path of the resurrection of Deus. Mm -hmm. So that's Miang's whole programming. I think it's probably... It's probably effective to think of Miang more like a program that than has like a specific a directive, right? Yes. Like, and it can't and it can't deviate. All the women yeah. in the world can be taken over by this protocol, hmm. and will then move toward the goal of resurrecting Deus and guiding humanity to that okay. point. So I have a quick question. It came from Miang came from the catamony, right? The brain of Deus. <clears throat> it's almost like Deus' personality in a way. We talk about um, Cain and the uh, the Gazelle, mm -hmm. and then Abel and the Mother Goddess, right? Yes. And <clears throat> the Mother Goddess is the only female person amongst that group. Is that true or no? Um, I mean, would the some of the Gazelle people? be? No, 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 they're all, I would think they're, they're all, all because men. they're all animus. Yeah, they're okay. all men. And um, as far as the descendants of all humanity, I actually had assumed that it was Abel was the father of all of humanity and not the gazelle because oh, Abel oh. paired with the mother and they procreated and had kids. That is what I got from it. So no, but this actually okay. brings up... Well, then did all of the gazelle? Was this just a polygynous kind of It does say relationship? that... I think it does directly mention that, um, that the gazelle procreated. But I don't know if they procreated with the mother. I don't think that's the were case. Were there other things that were magically created using the morpho thing? Because so uh, there would I, I have forgot, to be. I forgot to explain what catamony is a reference to. Oh, okay. So... Catamony, um, the the etymology of catamony, right? So it's a misspelling. It shouldn't be with a Y. It should be with an I on the end. Okay. It's a reference to Ha Adam, Ha Catamony, the first human. Oh yeah. With catamony meaning primordial, right? 
So, yes. so Adam Cadmon uh, means primal man. And Adam means man or man. Yeah. So thus, catamony can be seen Was as symbolizing first... a substitute of the role of Adam from the Bible. Yes. So it's catamony, like okay. the catamony with the mother together created the Gazo ah, ministry. Ah, so not just with the mother. Okay, well that makes sense. So the mother so who could, have, Niang, could have Eliham, created many Eliham. women as well. And well, that's eventually what happened was when, when that original mother goes back into the, the plant, you kind of see her remains in there, yes, yeah. which we'll talk about in a, in a little later. Yeah. Um, she created, I think they actually say it in the dialogue, so I probably have it written in one of the notes. She, she created two kind of clones of herself. And yeah, one Ellie, was Ellie and one was right. Miang. That's right, Abel was with Ellie. Uh, Abel was with Ellie. And And, and, and Ellie, up. at that time, was okay. actually more of a mother figure to Abel. Because Abel was a boy. Yes. But and that's where the cutscene comes in, in the sand, in the desert. I do. Where she walks up to him, yes, and he's a because, little boy. And I wouldn't have known this otherwise, except for the fact that the podcast Lee Peoples, who we were with right. on, on <laughs> episode two... <laughs> <laughs> I, I do that a lot. Anyways, um, <laughs> they're called um, <laughs> retrograde amnesia. Amnesia, that's the one. Retrograde <laughs> amnesia. <laughs> all right, all right. They had mentioned, hey, just take note. There are specifically twelve people in the desert walking yes. away, yes. and he's like, "Don't leave me here." Yes, and it, it, it is the twelve. Yes, and as you mentioned, the Gazelle are the names of the twelve yep. tribes of Israel, mm -hmm. and those were the the original Gazelle yeah. humans. And they in, in the original ten thousand year ago first civilization, yeah, the, the, like the birth or genesis of mankind on this earth, this planet that they're on. And Abel was the only survivor of the yeah. Eldritch crash. Ellie was um, now one of the two daughters of the original mother, who came to him had the will of, and we'll get into this when we talk about the wave existence. But the wave existence gave Ellie her will to be a companion to Abel, because Abel made contact, and that's what Abel wanted. Ah, uh, of course. So Ellie was okay. drawn to Abel, yeah. and they kind of paired together and, and, and as Had companions. Kids, and then Cain just Well, I don't know if him. Abel did, because that would be Oedipus complex major. It is, but this but, whole game, I, we'll get yes. into this later, but <laughs> this whole game is I, Oedipus pretty heavily. I, I don't think. know if they were romantically involved in the first incarnations. It, okay. I think by the second it became, when they were born in the same age range, from then mm -hmm. on they had a romantic pairing after that. But I don't know if the original, not original, but the Ellie from the 10,000 year ago timeline and Abel were romantically involved. I just don't know. It okay. may be, but, but we, all we know is that she was an adult, at least looked that way, and he was a yes. boy when they met. So I know, but when you when humanity is at like twelve people, you gotta like do, do weird things to <laughs> propagate the human race. I'm just saying. Sure. Okay. Anyways, cool. Um, that's catamony, and all this scene is over. I think. I think we've talked about everything here. Um, basically, she's like, I'm gonna go rejoin with God now, and and she goes like jumps into Ellie. some place, yeah. and uh, Faye goes after her. And he's like lost for a little while. The rest of the party sort of like retreats. Um, this would be end of disc two kind of stuff. I, I would guess, guess if it had been if three this, discs. It, as the game should have yeah. been. That, him jumping in after her and her. That would have been the end of that. That would have been the disc. end of disc two. We're on disc three now. <laughs> <laughs> this game was not just going to be two discs. Okay. So when they separate, this is where the Merkava comes out. 
and all mm -hmm. of the seraph angels yeah. are going out and they're just annihilating the rest of humanity. Yeah, so they're just killing everybody. And um, it's a ton of them. And I'm guessing everyone's basically dead. Except yeah. we show up later and it's like there's still people. But I don't know how. Because that's, that's so, insane. There's thousands of angels of death. I believe even they, they like ask Ellie Miang directly like, why do you have to, to kill all the other people? And she says, I don't know. She's like, I don't know. I just know that I'm, I'm made to do. I just what I have to do next. Yeah. It's just like what the program says to do. And I, get, I think that they mm. postulate a little later that it's because the remnant of humanity that would not transform into wells slash seraph angels would be a threat to God. Yeah. And so they just need to be eliminated. Okay. So they're going around trying Fair to kill enough. everybody, right? Um. Okay, and then uh, Faye gets discovered again a little while later, and he's brought back to Shavat, and then they all decide to put him in carbon freeze again. <laughs> yeah, but this time it was a little more unanimous. Yeah. Because he like, was in a really weakened state, and they were like, Id's just going to show up. <laughs> Faye's not even in there right now. Yeah. Like, he's so just, he's like in a coma. And Zephyr does a pretty good job, I feel, there's a scene with her and Saiten talking, of explaining why they need to do this. Because Saiten's like, what are you afraid of? Like, why do you feel like you need to do that? And, and, she's, and she says something like, um, um, it's, it's not that we're afraid of him, it's that we're trying to put a lid on the problem we caused, that right. Shavat caused. That they're atoning for their own Right, it's sins, like, right? because of what we did to the Khan, mm -hmm. right, that power passed on into Faye. And right. like, we just need to like contain that. It's too yeah. dangerous. We, we, we created this problem with Lacan yeah. and Graf. And we can't let Graf get that power back. We can't let him recombine with Faye again, right? Mm, and, yeah. and, and on top of the fact that it is out of control too. It's just like, this is yeah. our problem. We made this a problem in the first place. We have to contain it to, you know, is more or less what she explains. Yeah. But um, she says... It, it is stronger than they guessed, though. They don't realize how powerful it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, she says, losing all faith in humanity, Lacan sought after its power, um, the Zohar. Mm -hmm. Lacan became Graf, and the world collapsed. This tragedy happened because of the people's lust for power, specifically Shavat's lust for power. Mm. I must take part of the responsibility for not having been able to, or not have not having been able to stop it. And now Faye, the one who has the same power as Graf, we just wanted to seal up that dreadful power that arose from our own sinful deeds. So they're just trying to it's not... It's a good explanation. It's not dealing with the problem. It's not dealing with the problem. It's, it's just hiding it. trying to delay an inevitable kind yeah. of a thing. And it's just like, well, that's not going to fix it at all. <laughs> nope. Um, and somehow kids can get in right up to where he's at. So that's weird. <laughs> Midori and you got Dan, right? <laughs> no. Um, yeah. But before that, you get a really cool uh, scene with Faye, within Face of Conscious again. I really love how they get across these scenes with the abstract imagery. Like it's it's like a really I like it now. <laughs> oh, did I didn't you not like, like it, it before. No, no, I do like it. I like this scene. Yeah. But um the previous times that they've utilized this abstract imagery, it's just confusing as as balls. Right? Yeah. But understanding it at this point, it's like, yeah, I can appreciate it. it. I can appreciate it now. Before I, I'm just like who's who and what's where? I really love this scene. Um uh, Id comes out to Faye, and he's in the little boy version with the hair in his eyes. 
that version of id. Yeah, that's great. I really <clears throat> like this. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is something probably that we'll talk about a little bit in like the final episode wrapping up mm. um, with id being like this red haired, like very crazy different looking thing being yeah. almost like, um, is that like an effective way to hide the reveal, right? Or does it just make people or, or not could believe they, it? Could they have somehow represented id in like the, the hair and the eyes way? In a different way, yeah. Without They're revealing that id is fey for as long as they needed to. Like, was that an effective choice of hiding the fact that id is fey for as long as they yeah. did? We'll you get know, into that later, but I, I definitely... Ellie's hair turns purple after meeting Tay. <laughs> so it's like, I guess people can just change their hair color. I don't know. It's an anime thing, but... It is, it is. I like the version of id that is represented as the boy with Me the too. hair in his eyes way more than the than red-haired warrior. Me too. Me too. And especially because he's little. Yeah. He's a kid. He's a kid. He's like, it's more sinister that way. It's almost. way more sinister and you can't see his eyes, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like in horror movies, they can make kids mm -hmm. and like dolls and things scary because it's Become like when you, when you corrupt an yes. innocent symbol like that. That's like the worst thing you can it's do. It's like more unnerving. It's way unnerving, yeah. So I like the kid version of id better than the red-haired warrior of id. Me but too. id says, I misjudged you. I didn't expect you. The fake personality would create a fourth persona. So yeah, now we've got crazy. another persona. <laughs> but this one is just... A totally like vegetable state, right? Who it, just it, it just thing. allows Faye to third retreat. personality Faye to retreat and escape yes. the pain, yes. and that's just I just put it on this uh, this like drone fourth persona that just hangs there in the carbon freeze and deals with the pain while I escape into the subconscious for a while. Yes, because yes. it's too much to handle, right? And so Faye says fourth persona. And uh, it says, he can't feel anything. He's shut up inside your ego. The pressing facts and truths you won't face. You're afraid of them, so you desired to completely shut yourself off from the outside world, and so you formed a fourth persona, a fourth fae. The name doesn't matter. He's the one on the stage. He's the one who's in control of our body, but it is a useless form of resistance. So it's about to take over. He's ready, he's mm -hmm. ready now to, like, I'm going to kill all the other personas, and I'm gonna be the only one left, and yeah. I'll take control of the body. That's mm -hmm. what he's wanting to do right now. So he's grabbing the coward, and he's like walking off. Follow me. And then into he, and, just blackness. Yep, into it's blackness, crazy. and I really love how uh, he says, he's the key, I merely wanna borrow it, I've got to go somewhere. So he takes mm -hmm. the coward with him, and he's just kinda sitting there in his spot, and you know, he just drags him off. And yeah. I really love how the camera kinda pans around, and it says, are you coming too? And then it just like goes black. It's just so sinister and cool and mysterious. Like it. And it's just like, oh my gosh, what's he going to do next? Yeah. Just yeah, awesome like scene. Like really awesome scene. Uh, but yeah, Faye has sort of created a fourth persona now to deal with all the pain while he escapes for a minute. But now yeah. the third personality of Faye is with the other two in the subconscious. And this is where, what I really love about mm. this is that Id has, even from earlier when he was talking with Saitan, but even now to now, he keeps condescending on the third persona. Yeah. He's like, you are beneath me, mm. you're inferior to me, you have no control over me. Um, Khan made you and you're really annoying right. and you keep taking over, but I'm, yes. I should have sovereignty here and you're getting in my way, but yes. he keeps talking down to him like he's yeah. useless or powerless or something. But it's the third persona who ends up mediating 
between the upper two. So coward and id cannot reconcile because as we'll find out, id has been treated really badly by coward. All of the bad stuff id was created to deal with yeah. while the coward held on to all the good stuff, all mm. the good memories, all of the happiness. He kept all that to himself and made id deal with all the trauma and pain it's and bad stuff. crazy resentment, yeah. Right, and so he hates the coward because he won't let him see any of the good memories and he has to deal with all the bad stuff. Yeah. And anyways... This it, was actually really revealing for... Um, well, you keep keep talking. Yeah. I've got a thing I want but, to say. But that. the third persona, yeah. the inferior one, the one that Id talks down to, he is the one who mediates between the two and brings them all back into one. I loved that element. Yes. That the one that was talked about as being inferior, not in control, lower down in the hierarchy, uh, subject to Id... Yeah. Is the one that actually brings it all together. I now, thought that was great. Now, um, the, the coward is, tell me really quick, is the coward Faye? He's the original personality. The coward's the kid the sitting basis, down watching, watching movies the, all day? Yeah, the child. That's the coward. So, yes. I got, I got, I took this in a different way. This is weird. This is so weird. This is so weird. <laughs> So, and I don't even know what to do with the fourth persona. It's just like, that's just, just ignore that for now. But um, as it relates to ego, id, and superego, there is a funny distinction. The um, ego mediates between the two, and then the superego is the one that deals with culture and with presentation and formality and oh, sure. being around people and being pleasant and whatnot, right? Being sociable and surviving in social, whereas the id is surviving in nature, right? Yeah. And just amongst the raw elements and just do what you need to do to, to live, right? And then the ego is typically what you would think of as being yourself, mediating between the two. And that is what happens here. And it is the the fey man mediating between the coward and id but the coward i don't think the coward is is the superego i think fey is the superego yes okay good good i was i, I was just making sure because it seemed a little different this is yes. so confusing because it is the superego that mediates between the ego and the id yes which is weird yes but it's cool i liked it a yes. lot too but it's so weird to think about it because when id says you were created by your father this is freudian um, psychology. The the father is what uh, creates or forces the creation of the superego. Yeah. Because the mother is the nurturing mother, it's nature, and then the id is all about just nature, have your needs met, whatever basic needs. Um, but then the father steps up and, and, and is culture and rules and just punishments and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that is the superego. And so when id says... Um, Father, what's his name? Khan. Khan yeah. created you. Yeah. That's what he's referring to. He's referring yeah. to the. That's where the superego comes from. It comes from the father, and it's because it's not the natural relationship between the child and the mother. Right. Whereas it was the ego that retreated, and that's why he's a coward because the ego refused to choose between the two and solely um, abdicated its responsibility and sits in front of TV looking at old memories all day yes. and refuses to do its job, right? Which means that id has, has, is relegated to one place with no mediator to mm -hmm. like help him 
in any way. So they can't be a cohesive whole because the ego is not doing its job. And that's what creates the problem. Yes. It's not that id came up and, oh, id's too strong. And, oh, no, I'm just doing what's naturally. No, you're not doing anything. And yes. whatever happens, happens because you are abdicating your ego responsibility. The, that's really cool. The trauma. <laughs> it's that, so cool. That the child Faye, coward, mm. experienced yes. made him retreat. Yes. To a happy place where he didn't have to deal with anything. And he didn't have to make choices. Yes. And he yes. just let id deal with all of all the bad stuff. stuff. And he will not come out of that happy place but, at all. But then the superego. The third personality. Is, is just kind of there also. Yes. You know. But was, is, is part of the father within the psyche of the coward, basically. Yes. That's what we're dealing with is mm -hmm. the coward. Yeah, I love it, dude. I love it. It's fantastic. It's really, really <laughs> cool. It's really, but it was confusing at first because I'm like, yes. wait, I figured Faye was the ego. I just assumed that. Yeah, Faye then, is the super ego. Yeah, Faye's the super the coward ego is the created ego. by the father. I just right. love it. It's so good. Awesome. So before we dive into more of that, we get a really long flashback to the story of the 500-year-ago war with Solaris, Lacan, Krellian, Sophia storyline. Yeah. Um, it, it opens up with... Uh, Two of Bart, well, yeah. it's, it's Bart's direct great-great-great-grandfather or whatever, Roni Fatih. Roni. Yeah. And then Roni. Margie's great-great-great-great-whatever-grandfather, Rene Fatima. Mm. They were brothers. Mm. So Rene and, and uh, Roni Fatima, the dark-haired and the blonde-haired okay. guys. Um, and they are, uh, so I think I, miss, I, I think I got this wrong earlier in the podcast. It wasn't Ave that was... Um, allied with Nissan or Nissan and Shabbat against Solaris because Ave didn't exist at this time. Oh, I suppose it was, so. It was the country that Krellian came from, which was called Nimrod, that oh, was really? allied with Nissan and Shabbat against Solaris. Oh, interesting. It wasn't until after mm. this war ended that Roni decided to regroup and form a new country, okay. which was Ave. No, that makes sense. Okay. So Fair that enough. explains where Krellian comes from. He was like a military guy with mm. Nimrod. So Krellian came from Nimrod, but he's in Nissan. Yeah, he's he's well, they're working together, so he's currently I see. they're getting ready for a big battle. But Lacan is from Nissan, right? Lacan I think is from well he might you, be from Nimrod. Because he and Krellian are good friends. I'm not sure. They, wherever they are, they were together. Yeah, I'm not sure. He, he might have been, from, been Nimrod. from Nimrod. I'm, I don't know. I don't know if it ever specifies that. Okay. But anyways, they're sitting at a campfire, the four of them, and uh, you know they're kind of teasing Lacan over the fact that he likes Sophia. And it's yeah, and he won't do anything because he's and a You gotta lighten up, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're trying to like get him to stop being so freaking depressed and sad and melancholy. All well, the time. he's very self—not um, hating, What's deprecating. The word? Yeah, self-deprecating. He just—he's very—he doesn't value himself at all. He yeah. doesn't feel like he's—he's he's as low self-esteem. That's probably the best. He, word. Well, he's just a lowly artist, and he feels like yes. his his station. As a lowly artist, he's like, how can I accept yeah. the love of Sophia? She's like way above me and she's way important to all of this. Uh -huh. And like, I can't take that away from them. And It'd be like he's taking her away from other people. Yeah. Right, exactly. So anyways, um, they're having a little conversational chat. And, and I really like the subtext here. Mm. They don't like say they don't ever like Krellian never like declares his love for Sophia. In no, any of this. but but you can tell. But you can yeah. just tell it's he does. And but, no, there is one line. There's one part where he says something like, "If I were you, dot yeah. dot dot." But then he doesn't. Finish. He doesn't finish it. He doesn't finish. The it's sentence. all in the subtext. Yeah, but it's like, dude, if I were you, I'd freaking like marry. This and he, he's mad at him because 
Kralian has yeah. like a real genuine love for Sophia, the kind where it's like, yeah. if she chooses Lacan, I'm gonna support that because I want her to be happy. Because I want her best. Even if it hurts What's me. Best for her. But now you are taking that love she's trying to give you and you're rejecting it. You're hurting her. How dare you do that? He kind of yeah. gets mad at Lacan for that reason. If if she were sharing these feelings with me, and then he doesn't want to finish dot. saying yes, that. Exactly. Right? So he's like pissed at Lacan because he's like, you're getting the what I desire. Yeah. You're you're the recipient of that, and you're like not even accepting it, and that's BS. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that essentially? Was it? Oh, who was it? Um, the guy who ended up killing, was it uh, Bishop Barron? No, Bishop sorry. Stone. I said that again. <laughs> I don't know why I Baron said that. Barron is stuck in your brain. It's somebody else. Stone, Bishop Stone, Stone yeah. um, had that same exact relationship yeah, like with Jesse, with right? Jesse's wife, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, I liked her, but she liked you, and but then I wanted the command of the thing, and then but then you turned it down. Like, what's wrong, man? You yeah. have what you want. Why are you being like this, right? Yeah, similar um, situation. It's like a similar situation there. I really like this, though. Um, because Lacan, I don't know how to explain it. Lacan is, um, oh shoot, I, I just lost. I just lost it. I Okay, so I almost feel like Lacan and Sophia are destined to be together. Yes. That there's an attraction there that they don't, they can't get over. But, but were Lacan not to exist, then Krellian, it would have been Krellian. Yeah. Like, if if Sophie was just a regular person and Krellian Krellian was just a regular person, they would have fallen in love. Lacan would have had nothing to do with it. Yes, right. But because Lacan's here, there's like it's like there's an unfair, it's like a fate, d fate thing that's getting in the way. That's not fair, right? Yeah. That's not like why 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 are these two magnets for each other? It seems to be out of his control. And yes. it's a thing that you can tell eats at him a little bit. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's a huge part of like his. Uh, what kind of like breaks him in the end, yeah. right? But, it's just not fair. Uh, and it's not. Yeah, but it's but totally God's not. trying to recover his pieces, and this <laughs> is the plan he made. So like, you have to just deal with the fact that yeah. there there's something in both of them that's attracted to each other, and it's totally not natural, but deal with it. Yep. And it's nice because we, you kind of get to, um, both of them kind of share how like, Sophia is making them into better men. It's like it's yes. like they yeah. feel this. They were this kind of way, but then Sophia came in like and just like challenged and, them oh, sure. just by treating them differently than they think they deserve to be treated. Right. So like Kralian describes how he was like this real vicious kind of cruel. I mean, he's like a military man, mm. and but she turned him on to reading. And yes, like he started right, to right. read. And she challenged him. And like yeah. she could just, you know, just with a look or just with the way she smiled at them right. or the way that she talked to them makes them feel like there's something more to them than what they thought. Yeah. And so then he goes to Melchior, uh, Torah Melchior, and, and gets the nanomachine, like the textbooks on nanomachine technology. Yeah. And he starts to become interested in all this new books. thing. Yes. And he's like, you know, maybe, I, maybe this is something I'm more passionate about than like mm -hmm. my military career. And like he's he's just wants to learn all this new stuff, and like Sophia turned him onto that path, and he feels like he's a better person because of it, and so he like so he loves her, her and, right? Yeah. Lacan, you know, a similar thing. Yep. Um, but yeah, Lacan's really struggling because he doesn't feel like he deserves any of it, and he mm -hmm. doesn't want to like take the Holy Mother away from her people, right? <laughs> I mean, that would be kind of weird. Yeah. And. Um, that, yeah. 
so then we see the scene where he's kind of packing up his painting supplies and he's like, I don't want to finish this painting. And this is where Crowleyan says to him, you're just running away. By painting her portrait, you notice the gap between your inner emptiness and her inner abundance. And you could not fill that gap. That's why you're quitting your painting. You're refusing her. Even so, you still can't bring yourself to leave her, can you? In spite of that, why is it that she continues to smile at you? You who can't accept her feelings? You who won't accept her feelings? Tell me why. If it was me who was receiving such feelings, and then he trails off. And, and Lacan goes on to say, why would she open her heart to a mere artist like me, right? Um, so I, I copied something down here. This is from Zeno Gear's Perfect Works, and it, it goes into Lacan a little bit. Um, it, 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 the the kind of like title of this section is called The Psychology of Lacan Who Wanted Power. Um, okay. It says, Sophia tells Lacan, you are one who cannot bear to see another hurt by your own actions. Even while he is in love and aware of his special love for her as, as uh, herself, uh, he realizes he can't have her to love to himself alone as she is the Holy Mother that the people venerate. And he adopts a false front of nonchalance even on the inside in order to lie to himself and escape her love. Compared to Sophia, who could uh, provide peaceful refuge to others, Lacan felt only disappointment and self-loathing, thinking he was devoid of any power himself. Now this goes on to his pursuit of power when she's gone. He felt he powerless. didn't have power. He's powerless yeah. in comparison to her, right? Um, let's see. Uh, <clears throat> thinking he was devoid of any power himself. Um, in reaction to her death, he falls into despair and his disappointment and self-loathing uh, towards his own powerlessness turns into a lust for acquiring enormous power. The drive to tangibly satisfy his desire may have been what caused his transformation into a destructive personality. So I don't believe, based on what the time is right now and how many more pages of notes I have here, that we're going to be able to delve completely into the concept of desire according to Jacques Lacan, Jacques Lacan. the yeah. French psychoanalyst who this character is based on in part. But okay. His his desire is something to probably look into for later for people watching because it describes Lacan's transformation into graph really yeah. well. There are other parts of it too. Um, he has another um, concept called other that I think plays into it, and he kind of has mm. um, well, there's like mirror stage, but yes, there's also um, his sort of take on Freud's Oedipus complex. Yes, which is a more rational take. <laughs> yeah. a, better, a better take, I think. A yeah. better take. Yeah. Um, that uh, plays into all of this Xenogear stuff too. But in particular, desire. Yes. And, and it's mentioned here, the drive to tangibly satisfy his desire, according to Lacan's concept of desire, mm -hmm. may have been what caused his transformation into a destructive personality. There's another line from Graf later that will confirm this too and okay. I will bring that up at the time but I don't know if today we'll have the time to like dive into Lacan's So theory. we're going to push this off That might be bit. pushed a little bit. Okay, fair enough. Because fair I don't know if we'll have time for it. But anyways, that's what the character is based on. That's why his name is Lacan, right? Yeah. Um, we see another quick scene uh, where Sophia is injured 
or something, and like Lacan's there, like hanging his head, and Carlyon oh, yeah. comes running yeah. in, oh, and he Carleon's like he like he like pissed. strikes Lacan, and he's yeah. like, Lacan, what are you doing? You keep back. I knew we couldn't leave Sophia in your care. I'll protect her, even if it costs me my life. So he has some resentment towards Lacan because Lacan seems to be kind of powerless and weak, and yes. Lacan knows that, and he hates himself for it. Yes. And Carlyon's like, why does she love you? This bullcrap. Yeah. <laughs> <You st> <laughs> Also, uh, Krellian saying, I'll protect you with my life, yet in the end, she's dead and he's still alive. Yep, because right. she self-sacrifices. Because right. he couldn't do what he but thought he could either. I really love this line from Ellie, because, okay, so she's she's hurt, she's injured, she's kind of lying in the bed, and, and I think Roni comes in and tells Krellian, like, just go to rest for a while, like, I'll look mm. after her, we need you to, like, be fresh. Yeah. He's like, fine, and he leaves, and Roni kind of looks at Lacan, who's just there all, like, depressed mm -hmm. and then he walks out and then Ellie wakes up and, st and starts talking to him. Um, it almost as if I keep she, saying Ellie, it's Sophia. But. Sophia. It's almost as if she was awake the whole time but she was waiting for, waiting them, for them to leave. leave so as that soon she as they leave, she's Lacan. like, hey, I want to talk to you. For I really time. loved this because like Lacan's whole hang up here is that I can't be with you. The people need you. They venerate you. Like mm -hmm. you need to be a symbol to those people. Without you, like they they'll have no hope and all this stuff. Th there's some and psychological stuff to this too, to Lacan's um, and, and its religious stuff specifically because this woman is uh, the mother of Nissan. This is not stated specifically, but this is religion and history of religion going back sure. hundred thousand years. That um, that um, the the mother of Nissan needs to be a virgin. Basically, oh, it would sure. be the idea, right? Sure. That if you and this happens in idol pop idol culture all the time, like specifically in Japan, if there's a pop idol woman <laughs> and all of a sudden she's dating a boy, it's a it's huge like, scandal. Yeah. It can ruin her entire career. Yeah. This happens in Korea too, like crazy. It's like you are not allowed to date. It's written in their contract. If you're going to be an idol for the people of this country, you can't date anybody. You have to at least not publicly. You have to remain. Appear, you have to remain a virgin or yeah, appear of as though you're single. a virgin. If you, because it, it, it contributes. If people to know your, you're not a virgin, it literally ruins the whole thing, and you're no longer an idol. They're gone. They'll bring to, up a new um, idol to your desire, or like people's the, the, yes. the young men's desire. Yes, right? where it's like, oh my gosh. Some of yeah, that, some of that is true, even in American pop culture. Obviously, they're, yes, they're not it writing is. it into the contracts or anything like that. And we still allow our celebrities to celebrities date. Celebrities date, but <laughs> at least our young um, celebrities. At least, uh, at least, what I've observed is a lot of times, like if there's like an attractive male celebrity mm -hmm. and girls find out he's engaged or something, they're yes. like, "Oh no!" Like, yes, it's rough. There's a fantasy involving celebrities where, like, oh, I could. I could be the one. Be but, the one. But there, right? this is the idea, though. There can only be one. Yes. That's the idea in our minds. It's like, I could be the one. If they're dating someone else, that means I'm second. I'm not interested anymore. Yep. Right? And then the, the attractiveness yes. or the desire for that celebrity decreases. It decreases and, then therefore, and you're just like, nah. In order to keep up that image, a lot of times they're kind of secretive with their yes. relationships. And that's and why it's such a scandal, when, yeah. especially in Japan or Korea. When this stuff breaks, it's like... Oh my gosh, I had no idea. You, it's a scandal and their celebrity, <laughs> their fame is almost done for because they are gods and goddesses of of the culture, yeah. you know? And Mother Nissan, I would assume that that's, it would be expected of her that she remains a virgin and that's huge pressure on Lacan to, to, to take that from the people, to be yeah. like, I'm going. So there's an episode, you guys should watch a show, it's called Terrace House. 
It's a great, great show. There's several hints of this throughout that show. Mm. Now, the, the end of the latest season, actually, it ended very tragically and very strange. So we don't need to get into how this latest season ended. But in uh, seasons one and two, there are times where there is an actual, like a real big famous celebrity shows up as a young, like 20-year-old, shows up at Terrace House. Mm. And it's just guys and girls living together. Maybe one of them will date the other. It's a, it's a, it's a what do you call it? It's a reality show. Oh, reality, right? uh, yeah. But they, if you know anything about Japan pop culture, you know the band AKB48. Everyone mm. will know it if you know the Japan music industry, right? Well, there was a girl from AKB48 that showed up at the house as, a, as one of the guests. Oh, shoot. And the guys were like, every guy liked her, but it was like... They can't. We can't. She, and they even bring it up in the show. They're like, yeah, she has to quit the band if she gets in a relationship with a boy. Or, or a girl, I guess. But yeah. if they get in a relationship at all, they literally have, they're resigning from the band. They're quitting. That's how it works. And finally, a guy does get the, the guts to approach her, and she just rejects him so hard. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the most awkward moment in that whole show. He tries to hold her hand, and she's just like, no, no, no. And she's, she, I don't even know why she's there, because I, it's probably to, to boost her publicity, yeah, her image, you know? Just to push her brand around. But there yeah. was another celebrity that shows up in season two, or four, I can't remember, and and th it's revealed that she was secretly having an affair with someone else in that house, and it just destroyed her entire career. Oh, like, dear. she's done for it. Nobody cared about her anymore after that, and, and she knew it, and it was like, oh my gosh, it's the craziest thing ever. You guys, anyways. Don't need to get on a tangent on that, but it is so heavily ingrained in culture, specifically Japanese culture, but all cultures, and and specifically as from a religious point of view, the mother of Christ being a virgin and yeah. the idea of virginity is very much ingrained, and that's what Lacan's dealing with when he's like, "Do I take the idol of our entire culture and make her not an idol anymore? People that's won't look up to her anymore." Really, it's heavy. It's really heavy. Really good observation, yeah. because. Her response to that fear mm -hmm. you're talking about, which, when you put it that way, yeah. makes it even more, I guess, like convincing as to why Lacan is so resistant to this, right? Mm -hmm. her, her response to this as she's laying there in like the hospital bed is, humans aren't all that frail, you know. They don't need a symbol who is just appearances yes, she only. she wants to stop being a celebrity. Yes. She's like, please and she end doesn't my think, idol. She doesn't think hood. people need it. Yeah. She's not convinced they do. I believe that if you have light in your heart, you can overcome any hardship. What I have been doing is simply showing people that such light exists in, their, in the hearts of everyone. Mm. That's what she did with Kralian. That's yeah. what she did with Lacan. That's why mm. they felt so good about themselves and they got yeah. on this new path and Kralian starts reading books and becoming an intellectual yeah. instead of a military guy. And she just shows you, you have that light in you, that light of the monad, that light of the wave existence, whatever yeah. you want to call it, mm -hmm. that piece of godliness that is in you. Yes. Right? So she's technically correct. People don't, she doesn't need to be there to the, tell them that. The, the society has constructed that way. Exactly. But she doesn't think the society needs to be constructed. Yes, that but way. society doesn't know that. <laughs> and society will very quickly either find a new idol yeah. or devolve into absolute chaos because yeah. as much as people don't need someone to do that, you kind of do need someone to do that <laughs> to tell you what you have within yourself. Yeah. It's a weird it's a weird thing, but people, you know, you have it in yourself, but you need someone to tell you you have it in yourself or show you Otherwise, you just never discover it. Yeah. 
She That's goes right. on to say, I'm just a woman, and to fulfill my womanhood, I am prepared to throw away anything, even this position. Mm. I'm just playing the role of Sophia. Sophia is the persona. And I love this because Lacan calls her Ellie. He doesn't call her Sophia. That's right, that's right. Because that's she right. knows her real person, or the okay. real personality awakened that her. is awakened is yeah. actually Elheim, mm. not Sophia. Sophia is the persona, the mask she wears in public, yeah. the, the role she takes on for Nysan. Is the original. But that's not who she really is. And when she's with Lacan, she can be her real self. She reveals her real self, Ellie, and he calls her Ellie. He doesn't mm -hmm. call her Sophia when they're alone together. Right. Which I loved. That's cool. I loved that. Yeah. At first I was um, like, why is he still calling her Ellie? <laughs> but yeah, it's beautiful. Um, but I am still me. I haven't changed. A cowardly, selfish crybaby. Um, I'm still the same. Could you live a lie like that and still be happy? I don't want to do that. Oh, Lacan, I want to live more honestly with myself to be able to tell the man I love that I do love him and I don't care if I get hurt or rejected. You only have one life. I don't want to turn around later and regret not having done such things. Hmm. I can almost see this like one of those pop idols you're talking about. Having this exact Having that exact conversation. conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm done with this role, yes. this persona that I wear in public, this life of fame and whatever. I, I just want to be able to be my true, genuine self with a and person. Usually for the girls around the age of 27 or so, they finally can do Let something that like go. that because enough people no longer idolize you. They're onto the, the new 20-year-old idols, mm -hmm. <laughs> whatever, that they can have that conversation of like, you know what, I'm ready to end this. You know, you can't be an idol till you're 100. It just doesn't work right. that way. You may as well just choose to end it now instead of letting it naturally end later and then regretting that you didn't do it sooner. Yep. Um, okay, so it cuts away from that scene. They have that nice moment together, um, but it, it kind of just rushes forward a little bit to the moment where Sophia sacrifices herself in this kamikaze attack on the Merkava. I think it's the Merkava. Um, and she's, you know, talking to Krellian and Lacan over the comms and telling them, you know, they're like, hey, stop, like, don't do it. And she's like telling oh, them why she has to do it. Oh, she's suicide bombing. She's yeah, like, she's just driving going right straight in. into it, right? Yeah. Um, and so she does that, she tells them to live, you know, uh, and she goes and crashes and kills herself. Yeah. Now, now that is technically kamikaze, and by the way, kamikaze is referring to, is referring to like a godly act, right? Mm, the divine, right. the divine wind is what kamikaze the word kami means. Is, yeah, kami means God, uh, kaze means wind. Yeah. And it typically would refer to like a tsunami or something like that, destroying the Mongol invaders or something like that. That sure. happened 500 years ago. It happened like two or three times. Um, but Sophia having a connection with God and being self-sacrificial, it, it is the, that concept. It's I think. literally kamikaze. Yeah. Um, but then we see Krellian and some of the others who are in the aftermath of this. And I guess, I guess we, we got into this a little bit with, um, with what uh, Zephyr said earlier about Shavat. But I haven't oh, really, yeah, I don't think I've guilty. explained it completely. Well, they, so they split it what up happened, in the game. What happened was is that some of the people in Shavat, I'm guessing the elders in particular, they started to kind of they get a little power right? hungry yeah. in this struggle. Um, they, they didn't just want to destroy Solaris and then, you know, go with what the mother of Nysan was going to try to establish afterwards. Mm -hmm. They wanted a little more dominion than that. And so mm. Shavat made a deal with Solaris to split dominion 
of the world between them. And the, the, the trade they had to make was that Solaris had to give Miang deliver, yeah. to Shavat. And the Gazo ministry was fine with this at this point because Miang and the Gazo ministry were not, um, they were not on the same page. The Gazo ministry right. thought the time for the resurrection of God was here. At that they, thought, they thought they could do it yeah. now. Yeah. And Miang didn't think so. Miang wanted to have another wipe of civilization and start over. Because mm. she didn't think the current human beings were like ready ad to be adequate parts for resurrecting days. She mm. thought there was some problem with the genetic engineering they had been doing. They just weren't ready yet. And she thought wiping and starting over was the best option. But it's, we're 500 years away from the time of the gospel. This, this is really risky. Gazo yeah. ministry wants to just do it now. Yeah. So they, they're fine with getting rid of Miang. That's what they're, they're gonna trade. And in return, Shavat has to give the, like the main army and Ellie in particular, Ellie. Sophia, to yeah. Solaris. Mm. So Shavat makes this deal and betrays Nisan and Nimrod. And uh, basically the battle that happens um, where like Kralian and all those people and Lacan and Roni are all kind of on the front lines, this battle where Ellie sacrifices herself, that's the battle where they were essentially betrayed. So Miang mm. goes to Shavat, Sophia sacrifices herself and that army is wiped out. Did Sophia ever actually spend any time in that prison in Shavat? Uh, Remember there's the prison so, there? So uh, Miang in Shavat? Sorry, sorry, Ellie. There's that prison in Shavat. No, the, Miang was there, but not Ellie. Not, okay, okay. But not Sophia. So when they're talking about this is the prison room and whatever. Yeah, that was Miang. That was Miang. They're talking about Miang who was okay. in there. And Lacan who came and freed her from the prison. Mm, okay. So, yeah, we'll get there in a second. Okay. So they're standing there on the uh, in the aftermath of this battle, right? Kralian and uh, this, a few people. Roni and Renee and uh, Lacan are there as well. Mm -hmm. And Kralian says... We were sacrificed as pawns in order to protect their own authority. Sophia was, is this the ideal world we've been searching for? What have we been doing? Heading towards Sophia's ideals? Is this our salvation? This isn't fair. Sophia was sacrificed for those bastards. Sophia said, if you just have faith, the path to what you hope for will open. But look at reality. God didn't answer our prayers. Is that because we didn't have faith? Even if we didn't have faith, Sophia did. Why did she have to be sacrificed? Is God dead? Is he just not there? Maybe God never even existed to begin with. His whole yeah, faith has been shaken. His whole, his whole world. He just has no idea what to make of this. Mm. Were we abandoned by God? Is God even real? Have I just been praying in vain this whole time? Sophia had faith and God didn't save her. I don't get it. Like, how could this happen? And then he remembers, there's a quick flashback, I freaking love this, to a teaching, it goes back to the, like the cathedral in Nysan. Oh, and yes, Sophia is like teaching a sermon. And yeah. she says, faith in God, do not look for it on the outside. It's within, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for it is something one must build from within oneself. Hmm. Gnostic, 100% yes. Gnostic teaching yeah, yeah, there, yeah, right? Totally. The church of Nysan is Gnostic. The church of Gnostic <laughs> Christianity, right? yeah. <laughs> That's so great. he misinterprets this though, in the moment, and he decides that he has to create God himself. Yes, or, and, uh, or, or, or live to see the end of humanity. Yeah, something like he that. says, if God doesn't exist in our world, then I will create God with my own hands, and, mm -hmm. he, and he leaves. 
And this is what sets him on the path, first of all, to get revenge on the people of Shavat who did all this, mm. which he gives them the the life extension <laughs> treatments and he gives them a gate and separates them from everything so that they have to watch it all happen. Essentially, mm. they have to watch him go create or like fill in with the nanotechnology, oh, like nice. the, the deficiencies of Deus and like make it all come together. That's and they have to just that. sit there in the sky and watch it. They have to live through the whole thing. Mm. He made them watch as he like did this, right? That was Krellian's uh, revenge on them. So freaking crazy. And this is where Roni decides he's going to regroup and create a new country, which becomes Ave, obviously. And Lacan then goes and frees Miang from her prison in Shabbat. And this is what they were referring to earlier mm. when we were in Shabbat. I had assumed it was Sophia that was in there. Yeah, so it was actually Miang. Crazy. And so Miang, remember, wants the destruction of the human race because it needs to restart for new genetic engineering. Mm. And Solaris banished her, and so she's like, I'm going to use you to accomplish that. So she mm. sends Lacan on the mission who his, his desire, his Laconian desire, is power. power. Yep, power. Because he felt powerless. She sees that and she exploits it. Go find the Zohar. Yeah. Make contact with the Zohar. You'll get all that power you're looking for. What she's really looking for is for him to go awaken the Diablos army and destroy the half, earth. Half the continent. <laughs> yeah, just like everything. Yeah. So Lacan goes out to find the Zohar. He goes on a journey. He makes contact with the wave existence. But... It's not a like fully successful contact. He makes contact with the wave existence. He talks with the wave existence, and he mentions this later. But because of how unhinged and broken he is psychologically at this time, he comes to a very faulty conclusion about what he hears. And so he decides this whole freaking cycle of rebirth and stuff needs to end for us to be released from all this trauma and pain that we keep going through in the generations. Yeah. Ellie and I having to be reincarnated over and over Over again. and over and over. Because like, you, you would think, <laughs> oh, why just, just do away with yourself. Why do you have to kill everything? But it's like that. this does not stop until everything is everything gone ends. in his mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to end it all. I have to destroy everything. Which does beg the question why Graf and Krellian get along or work together or don't hate each other or don't try to subvert each other all the time um, it almost seems like Graf well, they will were listen to Krellian and do what he wants even though Krellian should time. know that Graf is trying to kill Mother God and Krellian is not so their goals are different Graf will destroy everything including Krellian. That's a good point. There's some a huge but instead they're just like yeah we're going to pretend that we're on the same side even though we're nowhere so, near. Um, instead of jumping into that right now because uh, we are getting to the point where I'm having to be nervous about time. (laughs) Um, Our final episode of the podcast, so next week we're going to play to the end of the game and we're going to summarize that stuff. But then we'll do one additional episode in the final one and that's where we're going to bring Chris and Eric from Retrograde Amnesia back. We're going to bring Pat Holloman on and we're we're going to actually have the the audience and you and anyone else pitch... um, uh, any questions you have about the story that you feel like tripped up on or okay. confused. And um, I think like we'll kind of all come together having read perfect works, having other people on who have like, you know, years and years of studying this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll try to get to the, the okay. bottom of all those answers. Okay. But that's a good one to bring up for later. 
Um, yeah, so, oh, when he makes contact, when Lacan makes contact with the Zohar, his second personality is born, which is Graf, yeah. which is like the embodiment of his desire. Of his desire, yeah. And he kind of takes over, uh, you can almost think of Graf like id, the id of Lacan, in yeah, a way. more or less. But it's not that he's id, he's the desire. He's, he's the, the desire. Laconian desire, not That's the Freudian seeks, id. The seeker of power. Yeah. yeah. It, although... The desire, the id, and the um, the shadow, Jung's shadow, are all kind of Pretty a similar. Much, yeah, very similar. They have similarities. Between yeah. Them. For, so for Graf sure. is kind of like, he's not Lacan's id, but it's it's a similar thing, where yeah. the embodiment of his desire creates a personality that sort of takes over Lacan's body, yeah. and he goes and gets the Diablos army. And they almost wipe out the entire human race. It's like ninety-eight percent or something that like crazy. that. And and they kill the gazelle. This is where the gazelle get killed. Oh, this is where they die. I thought yeah. they died previous. Um, so yeah, like even Solaris can't hold this, this army back. It's freaking crazy. And it's mm. only Roni Fatima and some of the others in their Omni gears that are able to stop Graf mm. and the army. And so that's what happens. You, there's a quick scene where um, it's it's. Some of the people from Shabbat, like Sef, Zephyr and Roni Fatima and some of the other people. And Lacan sort of comes back into control in the moment of his death. And it's like a hellscape, just like scorched yeah, earth. Yeah, right at the end. And I'm noticing a theme, by the way, with Karen and with possibly Miang and with, um, with um, here, with, with Lacan, that right when you die... Is or right around the time that you die is when the body, the original oh, who should be in control of the out. body, emerges for the last moments of life. Basically, yeah, that that's a thing that keeps happening. Yeah, and and he kind of says like he's confused, like Lacan is confused, like, wait a minute, like, yeah, what's what's me. happening here? Aren't you supposed yeah. to be my friends? Like, why have you betrayed me? Mm-hmm. And then he like looks around and he's like, did I do this? Like, what have I become? And he's like Seeker all freaking confused. So Lacan dies there. Mm. And, and so the contact then is transmigrated and uh, ends up reincarnating as Faye 500 yeah, years later. later. But the other persona, Graf, lives on and starts jumping. He, he gains the ability to jump into other people from the wave existence. Right, so he becomes sort of a wave existence yeah. himself and can kind of go around. His contact with the wave yeah. existence gave Graf the power to jump into bodies. And so now Graf is mm-hmm. waiting for the contact to reincarnate so he can join with the second half of himself and gain the power that he seeks. Yeah, because he thinks that's how it works. Because he's obsessed with power. Remember yeah. all the times he talks about the power? No, I, sure, <laughs> I sure do remember. He loves power. Yes, he does. That's what he wants. Because he felt powerless as Lacan. Okay. Now, we get some pretty crazy stuff. Uh, I think Dan comes in to where Faye is in carbon freeze. Well, he wants to, like, kill us or he hates us. Or he yeah, wants he's still to on, his, on, he's still on his revenge path. But this, yeah. is, this is some, you know, I, I've talked about how much I don't like Dan as a character mm. earlier in the podcast. There is an element to this that I think you can look at. Um, because I think I, I think I pitched like a, a replacement for Dan's character to be maybe like Timothy yeah, or something yeah. like that, where it would make more sense that Timothy could actually like get into and succeed through the like tournament. several rounds of a tournament yes, exactly. and actually chase Faye around to be a threat instead yeah. of it being this silly little like 
50-year-old looking boy with a receding hairline who's like super annoying. Yeah. Who I felt was ruining most of the scenes he was in. Anyways, there is a point to be made here that a child mm. seeing what they've done to Faye despite his feelings for him and being Whoa, like, wait man. a second, this mm. is too far. Like, and just like sort of his, his um, resentment being kind of dissolved in seeing how badly they've treated Faye. Mm. And sort of like remembering the fact that he liked Faye at one time and just letting those feelings go. Yeah. It's probably easier for a child to do than it would be for a man to I do. I think that's probably true. And so there is sort of like a nice little resolution here yeah. for Dan's resentment being let go. And the fact that he's a child is more convincing that he can do it like that. Quicker. Right. Yeah, I didn't question how quickly. Yeah. So he, he kind of walks in and he's like, this is terrible. No matter what, this is going way too far. So Dan, as a child, is more of an innocent child. I don't know how innocent he is. He's a pretty mischievous kid. But <laughs> anyways, as a child, probably would have an easier time letting that go so quickly, right? Yeah. But Id is, is uh, you get the scene in Face of Conscious, right, where Id starts making his plan yeah, to take over. Yeah, that's where this happens, yeah. And um, <clears throat> taking over the body, it is able to break out of the carbon freeze mm -hmm. and go looking for the Zohar again. Yeah. Now, I really like, really like this scene in Face of Conscious again. Well, Midori shows up, and it's not entirely clear. Did, did, does it kill the kids? I don't think so. He spares them? I think they Why? run away. Well, because Faith well, talks to them really quickly them before away. breaking out. He says, Dan, Midori, he says run, run away. But, they, but I don't recall them actually running. Well, it doesn't show it. But <laughs> okay, I'm pretty okay. sure they got away. Okay, okay. And Id only really cares about getting to the Zohar anyways. He doesn't care about kids, I would think. Anyways, I kind of already talked about this note, about how I love how Faye's third person is the one that mediates between the two. Yes. But the way that Id is talking down to him, right? Like, you don't need to know. You'll only disappear soon, along with your basic persona, the coward. I'll rule my being through the power of the existence. Of course, you don't know, but it is etched in my metempsychotic memory. Metempsychotic memory. I did not know what that word meant. I so I'm going to pull it up. Don't know either. <laughs> I looked it up. What is metempsychotic? It has to do with transmigration of a soul. <laughs> so he, it is the one who's carrying all the memories of the past lives. Yes. So metempsychosis refers to transmigration of a soul, especially its reincarnation after death. Okay. So that's what he's referring to. So id is the one carrying the metempsychotic memories of okay. the former contacts' lives. Okay. And, he, and so he says, it's etched in my metempsychotic memory. I came to reestablish contact with the existence, to tie together all the threads of your memory since ancient times and cut them off. So id mm. right now is getting ready to kill the other personas take over and get rid of any of his memories of former contacts because I'm done with that. I don't want to be the contact. I want to destroy everything. Mm. I want to return. This is the graph desire part, right? Like right. He's trying to uh, fulfill graphs. Okay. plan. Um, so it goes there to where the Zohar is. Saiten and party follow him. And they're, they're, they're kind of like confronting him. You fight, you have a little battle against Id for a second. Mm -hmm. But then Wiseman jumps in. Yeah. And Wiseman says something really important here. About, and this refers to why Lacan's contact was not successful. 
yeah. the why phase following contact that's coming up is it successful. Wiseman says, the contact with Zohar was meant to have been done after the unifying of Faye's true personality. Hmm. So Wiseman is aware that Faye needs to become <coughs> whole first before he contacts the Zohar, or before he contacts the wave existence. Otherwise, it might go really bad, like last time when the Khan did it. Now, the reason Wiseman knows this is because Wiseman is actually Khan. Yeah. Who is actually Graph <laughs> is in, is um, Graph has what do you call it possessed the body of Khan. Yes. So we talk about Graph's the Khan's body died and reincarnated. The contact reincarnated as Faye. Graph jumped bodies. Yeah. Graph in like the Miang scene in a similar right. Yeah. In the scene we saw earlier, the anime cutscene where Khan is facing off against Graf and Id, remember? I actually mentioned this when I made my guess that mm -hmm. was in spoiler alert territory. <laughs> yeah. A couple episodes ago. Yes. That he, uh, but my, my guess was that Graf was Faye's father's Id, which in some weird way is sort of what's happening, but not... Yeah. Not technically. This Not is technically. a different way. Yeah, it's close. It was but a close. But when he guess. says, "I won't let you have him," he is talking to himself, <laughs> and whatever ends up happening, he is able to. Well, I, th a I think, I think what he's saying is, I'm, "I won't let you have my son," because yes. his son. No, no. Is... Well, he's talking to himself about his son. Oh, right. He's saying, when he says, "I won't let you have him," the "you" is. The graph that's in his oh, mind. Oh, sure. In his because body. because right? graph is taking Lacan's body. Yeah, graph's taking, taking Khan's body. Khan's body. Yes. And Khan is like, I'm going to resist you. And to some extent, Khan is actually successful enough to right. be Wiseman sometimes and yeah, so help out. Fang. Every once in a while, Khan is able to get control of yes. the body again. And when he does that, he appears as Wiseman. And why he used that to go fight us in the tournament, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the other ones make sense. That tournament one was a little strange, but anyways, yeah. Wiseman is Khan as when Khan is in control of his own body. Yeah. When Graf takes control, it's Graf. So yeah. Wiseman and Graf are the same person. Which is strange because they're no, they weren't in the same place. It was Id fighting. That's true. It was Id fighting Wiseman yeah. and beating him up. It was not Graf. That's yep. that's right. Graf and, and Wiseman have never appeared in the same scene before. Yes. Until now. Yeah. And it's actually a really cool one. And the way he just kind of like flips, flips to Graf. And, yep. and Faye's like, what, what, what? So anyways, that's who Wiseman is. Yeah. Wiseman is there as Faye's father, Khan, yeah. trying to get him to have a successful contact with the wave existence. Yeah. He's trying to bring Faye back out of id and get him to unify his personality and make contact with the Zohar because he knows, having Graf inside of him, yes. what happened last time the contact tried to unsuccessfully contact the wave existence. And why it was unsuccessful. And why it didn't work. Yeah. Because Lacan was broken psychologically when he made contact at that time. Faye needs to become whole psychologically to make contact with him now if it's going to work. Because we're out of time. The it's time of the gospel like, is upon us. It's almost like otherwise what, how does the exist, which part of the human does the existence like connect with? Yeah. It can't, it, it needs to be a whole thing. Otherwise it's just a piece and then the existence only has a piece. Yeah. Like you, it needs to be the whole thing. Yeah. Yep. So as he's fighting him, 
you going back into face of conscious. So, so yeah. Wiseman Khan is fighting Id, who is in control of the body. Yeah. And while that's happening, the third persona, Faye, that we've known in the game, is trying to mediate between the coward and Id and the subconscious. Yes. To try to like reunite the personalities into one. And this so, is simultaneously happening. And so Id is showing him all this stuff. Like, look at this coward. He's keeping all the good memories to himself. Yep. He's enjoying the past while it was nice, and I have to deal with everything else that's happened. Anytime something bad happens, he, he retreats, and then I'm what's left, and I'm the one who has to deal with you know, the parents dying and with anything bad that trauma happens. Trauma and the pain it's and the always id that has to has do that. To, yeah, has to take all of that. And and um, I didn't understand how this was gonna happen. Faye is just like, hey guys, we need to work together somehow or whatever. Um, and it's like, let me show you something real quick. Yeah. And like this is, but this is what Faye has to do, and I love this. This is psychologically how how it works. This is the whole Freudian system. You have to confront what you're afraid of. Mm-hmm. And Carl Jung was big on this too. I think most psychologists are like this. It's like if you're afraid of something, but you don't want to confront it, you want to, you want to overcome your fear without confronting, confronting your fear, yep. you can't. This is in Empire Strikes Back, there's that beautiful scene um, where Luke walks into the cave, yep. right? And Yoda's like, what you see in there is your own thing, but mm. it's not gonna be pretty and you're not gonna like it. Yeah. And Luke walks into the cave and he fights Darth Vader and then he cuts his head off and then he looks down and he sees his, his own, own face, face because Darth Vader, at least in, in within his psyche, is his own shadow that mm-hmm. he needs to confront, uh, and it's himself. Anyways, yeah. it's just it's just beautiful. And so it is like I've got some things to show you. Let's see if you can even handle it. Because coward here couldn't handle it. Yeah. I think I'm the only one strong enough to handle it. So mm-hmm. I should be the one who rules this stuff because I'm the only one who's capable of it. Yeah. So look at you. Come see what I've seen. And Faye doesn't like it at first. Yeah. But but he's strong and he's like no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through and I'm going to accept all of this stuff. Yeah. And he sees his mom dying and... All um, the experimentation that the was done. The experiments, yeah, that were done by Karen. The as fact that ch- Karen got taken over by Miang. Yeah, all that stuff. And then, um, well, I can't remember if his... So, okay, I'm going to take over... with his father? I'm going to okay, take you over go ahead real quick because this is where Karen Horney's theory of neurosis comes into this. Oh, okay. It's really important. This is where so, Karen comes from, I guess. Um, yeah, well, why she's named the Karen, name, right? Yeah. So I think it's actually kind of cool that Faye was about to give in to Id. He, like, started to understand him. Yes, he was like, and he's, he's like, you're right, here. He's this like, is man, all me. this pain and all this stuff, yeah. like, it actually kind of feels good. Maybe I should just give it. But it's Saiten's yep. words floating into his subconscious, being like, weren't you going to save Ellie? And it's like, oh, yeah, Ellie. That's right. Ellie's Ellie. what does it. I got to, like, go save Ellie. So he, like, gets his resolve back, right? And so then he has them both there, the coward and, and the id. And, he's, yeah. and like you're saying, it is talking about everything dis, uh, despised and unwanted he pushed onto me while he shut himself up in his own little shell. Um, he repeatedly plays uh, the time that he was full of happiness. He lives in his own little happy world while I'm still alive only because of what uh, is left over or what's in those leftover dregs. So all that stuff that you were talking about. Yeah. Now... Karen Horney's, or Horney, uh, theory of neurosis. She placed significant emphasis on parental indifference towards the child, believing that a child's perception of events, as opposed to the parent's intentions, is the key to understanding a person's neurosis. Mm. For instance, a child might feel a lack of warmth and affection should a parent make fun of the child's feelings. 
even if the parent just feels like I'm just playing around. Yeah, it's no big. It's, it's the endearing. perception <clears throat> that the child has. That is true. Yes. What she's saying there is 100% true. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the parent may also <clears throat> casually neglect to fulfill promises, which in turn could have a detrimental effect on the child's mental state. Yeah. Now, what's really important about what you're talking about, id tries to mm. show what occurred first. Yeah. And in id's version, Karen uh, is killed by little boy Faye, right? Yeah. Not only that, but it goes through the cruelty that Karen showed, the indifference, yes, the, she didn't the, care. The, 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 the pain, the trauma, the yeah. physical, the, all that experimentation. Um, and she was there the whole time, but she never once came to help Also, him. Id's hatred of his father, Khan, because Faye tried to tell his father yeah. what Karen was doing, and, and he didn't believe him. He didn't yeah. listen. He was too busy on his business in Shabbat. Mm. And just kept leaving him alone with her, yeah. and wouldn't like listen. Mm -hmm. So both parents, in Id's perception, showed this total indifference to what was going on to him, mm -hmm. and the way Id perceived that, because he didn't get the last important bit, because the coward held on to that part for himself. Yes, where exactly. Karen, That's the important where part. Where Karen actually jumped in front of the beam yeah. and saved him. Yeah. He, it didn't get to see that part yeah. where Karen's actual genuine love shined through Miang and where she gave the ultimate sacrifice of love to save mm -hmm. him. It didn't have that context. Yeah. It's neurosis. That changes everything for It's neurosis is totally based on an incomplete understanding of the parent's intentions. Mm. It's only his perception of yeah. what that meant that turned him into this. And the reason he didn't have that context is because the coward wouldn't let him see anything good. He yes. kept all of that for himself. Yeah. And when you look at it this way, it's almost like, because when you first learn about the coward and you first see the coward, it's like, he's just a kid who's trying to relive the past. He's, he's doing nothing wrong. Yeah. Just leave him alone. He's just trying to do whatever makes him happy, right? But it's at this scene where you realize that... Um, you know, e each section can't entertain the same things at the same time, right? So if this kid is reliving certain old memories, it means that it can't. And the assumption was it could just sit next to him and watch the TV screen. <laughs> but that's not, that yeah. may be how the abstract, you know, the way they portrayed it kind of makes it seem that that's possible, but yeah. it's not possible. It can't. It does not know what the ego knows. Yes. It does not see what the ego sees. And if the ego continues to... As Keep I mentioned earlier, himself. abdicate its responsibility mm -hmm. and, and remain in this little world doing its own thing, then it's actually keeping all that from, from Id right. like the whole time. So anyways, the fact that he's a coward actually makes it a bigger, a bigger deal. Yes. That there is actually uh, there is a price to be paid on both sides. That there is there's wrong done on Id's part as well as on the coward's part mm -hmm. um, that is keeping them from being a whole person. It's not, you can't just lay it all on the Id and say, you're so bad, you're right. so bad. And that's what the third personality, Faye, yeah. it ultimately helps them realize. It's mm -hmm. like, listen, all this bad stuff happened to you. That is true. Mm -hmm. But it's not because of what happened that the problem happening with us is going on. It is you, the coward, withholding this. It's yes. our fault. Yeah. We have to it's take responsibility for together. what's happening yeah. here. Each one needs to, because to, you, you can scapegoat each other all you want, but yes. we're all one person. Yes. And it's, it's, we better take responsibility for yes. that fact it's sooner we or later. have to take responsibility. Yeah. And it's in that moment when he mm -hmm. finally, because um, Faye asks the, the coward, 
why won't you show him? Why don't you also have id watch what you always watch? Mm. And um, Powerful the coward says, no, that's mine. I don't want to show it to the person who killed mother. So he's trying to blame id for, for because id's power yes. is what emerged. Yes, true. Right? And yes. all the beams that came out. Yes. So the coward's trying to put that on id. So coward is punishing id. Yes. Wh which is, this is all part of the idea of of punishing yourself. Yes. Of when you when you hate yourself, when you're mad at yourself, when you punish yourself, this is what you're doing. You feel like you're punishing someone else. Yes. But you're just hurting yourself. Yourself, exactly. And Id responds, you should talk. You're the one who killed mother. No, I didn't. You did it. And they, they're back and forth yeah. yelling at each other, blaming each other. And Faye finally goes, knock it off. We killed mother. We're the same mm -hmm. person. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's no one's fault but ours. It's not because she became Miang or because father didn't notice. Don't look outside for the reason. Don't blame anyone but yourself. Yes, mother was Miang, and I know that you suffered. No one could have endured it, but you can't push it onto Id alone. We all, uh, we're all one person. We must become one, right? Faye, walk on your own two feet. Face up to the reality that you don't want to see. Show them to Id everything you took for yourself. And that's where he sees the part where Karen mm -hmm. sacrificed herself to save him. Id sees for the first time the genuine love of the mother. And yeah. that's when Id goes, oh wait, that can't be right. No, 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 yes. no. Yes. Denial, and, immediate denial. Yep, and then, yes. then Faye says to him, This is so right. The reality isn't all grim, Id. Yeah. So Id thought the reality was always awful and terrible because that's all the coward would let him shown. see. Yeah. But now he's starting to realize his perception of reality is Karen Horneye's theory of neurosis. His perception of events is not complete. And it's after realizing that that he goes, okay, I'm gonna give all of the uh, metempsychotic memories of the past context lives to you, yeah. third persona. You decide what should be done about it. I'm giving in to you now. And then that's when the personalities really all merge and become whole again. Mm. And and then Faye is back in control again, and the id and the ego and the super ego all become one, uh, one being, whole being again. Mm. Freaking so good. I like it. This <laughs> is so freaking good. If you if you can understand <laughs> it, it's really good. It's really really freaking awesome. Um, there's a part I skipped over here. Um, I think there's something Id was saying. Oh, yeah. Graf came seeking the power that exists within me. It is telling the story of that moment when Karen was killed and his father was fighting against Graf and pitifully mm -hmm. losing. So yeah. it, it was basically just a saying that Graf showed up to try to take Faye's body as the contact. He's trying to like get his body back. Yeah. Um, we, his descendants who inherited his lingering thoughts and memories from him, uh, know only too well, divided 500 years ago, he would become a part of, of us both. Lacan became Graf. He destroyed everything on the face of the earth. He then mastered how to possess the bodies of others by dwelling in their minds. He was probably unable to do this after his contact with the existence. So I already explained that earlier, but this is the part in the text that confirms that. Okay. So, now that he has become one again with his whole personality, he makes contact with the wave existence. Let me just make sure I'm not skipping anything. Oh, then we see the scene. We we, we kind of he's showing him all of the 
past memories. So we see Abel and Ellie and like Cain on the throne. And oh the, yes, he the, sees the all the Gazelle and they're like killing them. And Cain kills. And that was yeah. Cain's original sin, which is a biblical reference killing you Abel, were right. guessing at earlier, yeah. right? Um, that he feel has felt bad about and why Cain sort of has changed his disposition by this point in the game, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was originally, he killed Cain or killed Abel originally. So we see that scene play out. And then we see Kim in the lab coat with the nanomachine colony behind him mm -hmm. and, and Ellie lying on the floor and all the guys with the soldiers. We saw that back in Zeblin. Mm -hmm. the same cutscene. I won't let you have my child yeah. or whatever. And then we see Lacan at the point where he dies. And, and he says, what is this place, my execution site? Why do you turn on me? I thought we were friends. Who is it? Did I cause this? You know, as he's looking around, like Lacan being confused, like because yeah. Graf was in control. What has happened to me? What have I become? He says, I will live, even if I go to hell, I will live to the end of the world. This is because, because they're showing Lacan as the sprite is id. It's the id sprite with the red hair. Mm. But he kind of like bends down and then like the Graf costume comes on. And, and right. the way I see this is Lacan dies there mm. and Graf lives on. And Graf okay, says, sure. I will live, even if I go to hell, I will live till the end of the world. And if the world does not come to an end, I will destroy it with my own hands. And this is the motif kind of happening through all these scenes is that Ellie and Faye kind of keep saying back to each other, I think back and forth, like, live in these final moments. Yes, like, live, you live, continue live. to live on. Yeah, so, like, Ellie, the... as Abel bends over and is holding Ellie, she's dying, she's like, live. And then, like, Kane, or not, sorry, Kim is like saying to Ellie, who's like on the floor, I think, maybe it's the other way around, maybe Ellie's saying it to him, but live. I think and it's then, Ellie singing it to him every time. Yeah, and then uh, Ellie, when, when, as Sophia, when she Sophia, crashes in, in, in the Kava, says like, live, and he takes that the wrong way, Graf does in that moment, right? I will. I'll destroy everything. Yeah, <laughs> live forever and then kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he becomes a whole person again. He, he's got all of his memories back. Mm. He's ready to make contact with the wave existence. This part is really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty trippy. So... Essentially what happened is this engine, this, this energy engine that was... Now, as the wave existence describes it in the game's text, humans created the Zohar modifier. Okay. In Perfect Works, it, it, it's changed a little bit to where it was discovered. So this, this, is, this is the 2001... 2001 the A Space Obelisk, Odyssey yeah. obelisk reference. Yes, totally. It's a and slab. It, it already kind of looks that way anyways. Yeah. But and it was, it it's like, it who knows right. when it came, and this is um, actually a little bit more elaborated on in Xenosaga a little bit. Oh, really? I think the very first scene of Xenosaga 1 is them discovering the monolith, oh, sweet. The, the Zohar, mm. <laughs> um, like pulling it out of the ground. Um, but anyways, that's the 2001 Odyssey yeah. reference. Totally. But anyways, whether it was created or whether it was discovered is not really that pertinent. The important part is, is that the reason it has infinite energy potential is because it connected to a higher dimension and yeah. pulled this godlike being into it called the wave existence. It says in particular, which is so strange, but it says it um, through the path of Sephirot. Yeah, through the path of Sephirot. It, it attained that, but then it pulled it down. Yeah. So it attained enlightenment. Like, just think of it in Buddhist terms. It attained <laughs> the highest enlightenment and then it 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 pulled the essence down to earth and and tr imprisoned it basically imprisoned it inside it. of the zohar modifier and that's that's like that's crazy so 
Should we talk about what Sephiroth is real quick? Um, as the reference? You see the symbol a little bit later on. Um, I don't know that it's worth going like on a huge thing yeah, about because like it's just a, a small quick note tangent, here. right? Yeah, yeah, but we can show so it. It's pretty cool. In in uh, Kabbalistic mystical, like Jewish mystical tradition, right? Um, I talked about Ein Sof earlier, which is mm. like what God was before He was God of like the, the Old Testament, outside right? Outside of time, yeah. Um, Ein Sof is like the unknowable, like... Yeah, incomprehensible. Higher dimensional being like the wave existence is. Yeah. That's what Ein Sof is. But Ein Sof in creating the universe, um, basically there were like emanations or attributes of God mm -hmm. that make up the different like notes, the, or nodes I should say, in this, uh, in this what's called the Sephirot. Yeah. And so, like, each one of these things, I'll put this on screen, each one of these, and, and you see some of um, the names here. Uh, again, a lot of this stuff was referential for Final Fantasy VII as well. Oh, yes. So you have, like, Sephiroth. Uh, you have, like, well, Sephiroth, the villain. <laughs> yeah. But also you have, um, like, Tiferet. That's, mm, like, where nice. Tifa's name Tifa. comes from. And there's a couple of others uh, on this. Uh, well, I'd like to point out one in particular. I think it's number five that represents Mars and yeah. War and Destruction. It's yeah. on that side of, of, of that side of God, I guess. And it's mm -hmm. called uh, Gebura. Yep. There you and go. Gebura is in the Japanese Gebler. Yes. Is pronounced Gebura. Uh-huh. That's but, right. But Honeywood translated it into the Gebler, Gebler because he probably didn't freaking know probably what it was. I didn't know what it was a reference to. And the, the Google didn't look. Well, I think maybe technically Google might have existed around 98 or 7. Or yeah, 98. Yeah. But not, anyways, uh, having access to all this kind of stuff was not so much a thing until kind of like our generation a little more recently. But uh, it would be pronounced Gebura, not Jeb, or not Gebler. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, that's one of them as well. So, um, Sephiroth... The idea is it's like enlightenment, right? Yeah. It's all in your mind. You access the first hinge point, which is like the moon. Is it the moon? Um, I don't remember. This, this one? one down here? You no, know, this is you. And then you access the moon. Oh, I see. And then from the moon, you can go to Venus or somewhere, and then there's the sun. Yeah. Anyways, it's, but it's all in your mind, and it's a way to attain enlightenment, right? It's a way to bring out the attributes of God yeah, within, within yourself. yourself. Within yourself, yeah. Right. And you do it through meditation, right? Right. So there's your normal life, and then from that first, once you, ex once you reach that first point in your mind, then that gives you access to everything else. And if you're able to travel within your subconscious, you can eventually arrive at some point mm. that would be a God-like thing at some point. Those top three on the left, right? So Bina, Keter, and what's that last one? Uh, Hokmah. Hokmah. Those are technically considered that humans just can't go there. There's like a wall. There's, you, you draw an imaginary oh, that, line. Like in between there. them, will you draw an imaginary one oh. just there, so showing that like humans can do all sorts of things, but no one's ever gone there before. Like mm -hmm. that's like true enlightenment and true godliness, and that's that's like unachievable for us finite humans. Yeah. But it seems as though we created a machine. Well, the humans of Xenogears created a machine that was somehow able to attain Transcend the highest. Transcend up into yes. The, the yeah. highest enlightenment level, and which is where God was, <laughs> and then pulled, pulled it, it down, down, which is crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy. 
Um, so anyways, yeah. Yeah, so Sephirot just, like, I think it literally means emanations. And each oh, of sure. these little nodes, these t are ten attributes yeah. uh, of Ein Sof, right? And it's how he reveals himself and continuously creates both the physical realm and the chain of the higher metaphysical realms. So that's what Sephirot yeah, is. Yeah, it's the around. knowledge of God. But, but um, when the crazy ship, whatever you call it, the... The Eldridge? No, 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 no. The the new triangle. Oh, the Merkava. The Merkava. When the Merkava shoots one of its guns, you see a little. You see the path of Sephirot kind of symbol. Yeah, the symbols on it. And it lines all the way up, and then it just lets out this massive blast. That's right. That's where that. I don't know that. I don't know that that blast has anything to do. I think it's just a cool symbol. It just looks cool. They just put it there. Just a reference. Yeah, but it was pretty sweet. Anyway, so that's what happened is the wave of existence got trapped in the Zohar modifier, and it's trying to get back to its higher dimension again. But um, he essentially describes, and I, I, again, I wrote this all down, like all of its dialogue, but I don't want to read it all. I'll just use it for reference if I have to. Okay. What happened was that Abel is essentially the original person that Faye was. Yeah. Right, the and first incarnation of Faye. Yes. Right? Abel was a boy. The, the sole survivor of the Eldridge crash. Yes. There was one human that lived somewhere. One human on that entire yeah. ship survived the crash, and it was Abel. Mm -hmm. He's the one, if you want to call it genuine human, that was on this planet ever. Because the yeah. rest of them were created by the catamaran. By machines, yeah. So he's the one yeah. human, like legitimate human, that survived that Eldridge crash on this planet. But he was a refugee of this war that was happening, this galactic mm. war. So he was traveling on that ship, probably being taken somewhere to be relocated or to find right. a family or whatever. Mm. He's being taken somewhere else. He was maybe a refugee of that planet that got blown up by Deus, I don't know. Who knows? But That'd be crazy. he found his way into the room where the Zohar modifier was. And he, he made contact with it. He touched it. Before or after it crashed? Before. So this is why he survived. Then. Yes. This is the reason he survived. He, contact cool. the, he contacted the Zohar and contacted the wave existence. The way he and the wave existence communicated. Yeah. And the way that he describes this, the wave existence describes this, is kind of interesting. Being but only a child... You defined my existence with your desire to return to your mother. Because the way of yeah. existence is this like other dimensional being. It's like yeah, it doesn't really relate of our, to yeah. our human experience in this dimension that we're in. Yeah. So it's trapped inside of there, but it its contact with with Abel gave it some like tether to this dimension. It mm. like had a like some purpose to its being here. It started to understand where it was and how it should operate in this dimension, if that makes sense. That's cool. By coming in contact with Faye, or mm. sorry, with Abel's mind, yeah. right? And Abel's desire at that time was a mother, because he, yeah. he was an orphaned child. Yeah. So it says, um, you defined my existence with your desire to return to your mother. Thus, I came to prepare the mother's will. That will is Elheim. So he wanted to make a companion, a mother companion, the wave existence, for Abel. For Abel. 
and because he's inside of the Zohar modifier, which is powering the catamony, which has the ability to create organic matter, he's, he's able to like, make huh? a mother for this child, right? That was the original mother, the purple hair. However, at the same time, Deus, the system itself, has its own protocol to revive itself, which is the Miang side of it. Mm -hmm. So the Miang and Eli, the will of the Zohar, which is the Eli side, and the protocol of the, of the Deus system, which is the Miang side, both came into this original mother. Hmm. How, when did that separate? It when? separated when she created, as they say, two clones of herself. Of herself. Yeah, and she went back into the catamony system, which we'll see in a minute. But Ellie and Miang were separated at that time. My will was incarnated through a biocomputer catamony, which was vital for Deus. After combining with me, the biocomputer evolved its functions, and that bioplant generated a central element. That is her. I was split by your contact. My physical form or flesh stayed in Zohar, while my will went to Elheim, and then my power went into you. Mm. So the, the wave existence as power went into Fey as the contact. His will went into Elheim, and his physical, whatever that green spiritual thingy is, stayed trapped inside the Zohar. So mm. they each have a piece of the wave existence in them and they need to return it so he can break out <laughs> and destroy the Zohar modifier and go back to his, his higher dimension. Interesting. Um, it's like E.T., he doesn't belong there. You gotta <laughs> send him back home. That's why I waited to, re, uh, to unite with you, and now it is fulfilled. My only remaining desire is to break this cage of fleshly existence. In order to do that, I must become perfect by combining with Elheim, as well as my other split physical form, Deus. In order to destroy Zohar, I need the strength that was attributed to you. So you got to destroy Zohar. You have the power to do that. Um, let me keep looking here. Originally, uh, Ellie's release should have been performed by me, the one who desires to return back to the higher dimension, but I'm bound to the system just as she is, so I'm unable to participate. You're the only one who can release her from the spell. Just as Deus and I are inseparable, you and her are also inseparable. That's mm. because part of the wave existence is in both of them. Okay. Um, uh, he goes on to say that the wave existence um, played some role, might have had some role in all the trauma that Faye has gone through. He's almost like, well, I know you've had a terrible traumatic well, yeah, life. Yeah, the existence is empathizing with him a little. Yeah, I know that like yeah. your contact with me has caused this, mm -hmm. and uh, it's, it's been sad to witness that. You know, yeah. kind of a thing. And Faye says, I disagree. I can't blame anything or anyone besides myself. Regardless of what may have happened in the past, with the passing of time, the cause becomes more remote. It is a problem that comes from within myself that I myself must deal with. This mm. is extremely profound. It, mm. is some, it is a concept I agree with so completely. Too, and I, I feel like... Um, I watch so many people who struggle, um, whether it's with mental health issues. I mean, I do too, but I mean, everybody to some extent has problems, right? Right. But it's, there's, there's a way of staying stuck in that forever, mm -hmm. which is to point out. Yes. And say, you, your fault. Your, your fault. fault. 
this Here's happens a list to of me. all the people who are mean to me in yep. high school. Yeah. It's because of all that stuff that I ended up this way. Yeah. Now, this is by no means meant to say that like people aren't genuine victims, because they are. But there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, it yeah. happened. Yeah. And what you have control over is how you respond to it, how you take responsibility for what you become, yeah. and how you deal with it. It's only something you can do within yourself. True introspection. You yeah. can't go to all those people who harmed you and pull them over and say, fix what you did wrong. Fix what you broke. Right, make it better. They can't. I'm right. And as long as you stay in that mentality of pointing the finger at everyone else who harmed you or who did you wrong, you will stay stuck in your neurosis. Yep, you're doing yourself a disservice. Faye was victimized by his mother, by Karen. Horrifically abused and victimized. Mm -hmm. But it isn't until Faye takes responsibility and says, as, I, as he says here, regardless of what may have happened in the past, with the passing of time, the cause becomes more remote. Yeah, that's true. It is a problem that comes from within myself that only myself must deal with. Do you know what, I learned this recently. Well, I just thought of this recently, actually, just a couple days ago. The word resentment yes. is, well, I believe it's French, be resentiment, something like that. And sentiment is like sentiment, right? Feelings. Yeah. And then re just means again. Yeah. So resent, resentment means to feel again, mm. right? So the initial thing happened, it made you feel bad. But somehow your mind decides to feel that bad feeling again, right? Yeah. And your resentment means you keep re-feeling that re bad feeling it. over and over. And it's like, yes, a bad feeling happened, but how often did your mind did your mind conjure up those bad feelings over and over and over to re-feel over and over and mm -hmm. over? So resentment means re-feeling. And when you think of it that way, it's like the, the, the damage done to your mind through the resentment is, is likely far greater than the damage done from the sentiment, yes. the initial sentiment, right? The initial feeling. The fact that you keep reliving it. You and keep experiencing you're it. You're making the, it worse. post-traumatic stress. But you it, do it right? to yourself, yeah. And, and it's true that there can be disorders about that and that you don't always have control over it. But you do have to understand that it is within you your mind. You are the only one who has any power exactly. to overcome it. No one else can do To get the help that, that you need, yes. uh, to, to start pursuing the self-reflection, yes. to talking to professionals, Meditate sometimes. meditation, finding yeah. whatever path yes. that can return you to that psychological wholeness. It's within. You it, have to start else. the journey. Yes. You have to do the work. No one else, yeah. even the, especially the people who harmed you in the first place, are going to come and like say, I'm sorry, and it's going to fix it. It won't. There right. is nothing anyone else other than you can do to begin that path to wholeness again. Yeah. And when, it's when Faye realizes this and that he can have the mystical experience with the wave existence and understand the wisdom, mm. the gnosis, that the wave yes. existence is trying to give. Lacan couldn't yeah. accept the gnosis right. because he was still blaming yeah. his situation. Mm. No, it's not my responsibility. And he wanted to use that newfound power to just to kill go everything. kill everyone. Yeah, and it was, yeah. His desire for vengeance and, and all these things had totally taken over and he wasn't taking responsibility 
because he was afraid of his powerlessness. He didn't want to face that fear of his powerlessness. Yeah. He didn't want to accept that. I like that. They accepted it. I think I mentioned before, um, maybe an episode or two ago, about um, Sojnitsyn, who wrote the Gulag Archipelago, and how he was in the Gulags for like 20 years for some, I don't know, the Soviet Union just put, oh, actually, no, I think I do know. He was in prison in Germany, so he fought for the Russians in World War II. But he was imprisoned in Germany, and when he was when he went back to the Soviet Union, they sent everyone who had any contact with the Western world just right away to the gulags. Didn't matter if you were fighting for this Soviet Union or not. Didn't matter why. If you had contact with the West, you were corrupted, you were compromised. To the gulags you go, right? So that's how they filled up a lot of the gulags initially. But and, and he was saying, how did we get to this point, you know, how, how did how did our country, whose fault is it? Why are we here? What mm-hmm. happened in our country's history to where we're throwing random people in jail all the time for no reason and we have this crazy military police system that's just horrible and, the, you know, just killing tons of people all the time. Um, and his ultimate conclusion was, it's my fault, mm-hmm. right? Because who else's fault could it possibly be? This is my life, I'm here. And, and he ended up taking responsibility for something that was so 100% not his fault. He was probably conscripted <laughs> yeah. into the military to begin with. He didn't want to go to Germany. He just happened to not die. He got captured, was in prison. Now he's in prison in his own country because he got imprisoned in Germany fighting a war that, anyways, it's a whole screwy situation. Yet he came out of all of that saying, it's my fault that this happened because this all happened slowly and I could have done things to prevent it and what can I do now to fix my life at this point? Yes. And he went on to do many great things. In yeah. fact, uh, part of the, one of the hinging turning points in the Soviet Union collapsing was him when he, because he eventually did get out of the jails and he just defected right away and he, he, um, he had these books in his mind, he had a brilliant memory and he was able to kind of write it all down and it all just came out like nobody knew that this was happening in the Soviet Union and he came out and he showed everyone this is the atrocities that are happening in this country and that slowly started the slow downfall of the Soviet Union so he was in a horrible situation not his fault in prison for something it's not his fault completely not his fault and he turned it into one of the greatest acts of like you know revelatory goodness that anybody can really do mm-hmm. you know that is like i'm going to reveal this to the world and i can do it you know and yeah. it, whereas if he just wallowed in his own self-pity he probably would have died in the gulags yeah he probably would have just be- become nothing and nothing would have ever happened and he'd he'd live his whole life resenting and blaming others for what and even if technically it's not his fault deciding to accept blame for it anyways yes is is the turning point and because that's all you can do. You yes. can't do anything but accept that I had something to do with this. This didn't all happen randomly willy-nilly one day. So yeah. I, I could have done, I could have spoken up and told the truth. This is a big thing. Always tell the truth. The Soviet Union basically didn't let you tell the truth. If you've ever seen the TV series Chernobyl, Yes, that's it's how so it happened. Good. They're afraid of telling the truth. Everyone is afraid, afraid of telling the truth. And Solzhenitsyn said, that's the problem. And then he had to think back in his life. How many times did I lie? out of convenience or because I, I just didn't want to tell the truth. Thousands of times, all the time. He did it all the time. You had to do it living in the Soviet Union. Otherwise, you'd be thrown in the gulags. And so he's like, I didn't tell the truth thousands of times that, that those are my fault. I'll take responsibility for those and I'll do better. Do anyways, something about it. It's amazing stuff. And yeah. that's like, I think Eli Weasel has similar stuff with when he was in the Holocaust and like, you, you just find these people in these horrible situations who come up 
with this type of stuff that's just like, man, your life it really is yours and your mind is yours and do with it what you will. But the more that you blame and scapegoat, then the less control you have over your own mind and your own life. Yeah. In order to really control your own mind and your life, you need to take responsibility and accept the blame for whatever's wrong around you and then go fix it. Because once you accept it's your fault, then you're like, well, who's going to fix it? To fix. I'm going to fix it because it's my fault. And yeah. then, boom, all of a sudden people start fixing problems that they would have just otherwise said, oh, somebody else should fix it. Yeah. Even, anyway, even, if, so you don't, even if you don't want to necessarily word it as it, it's my fault, you could still say it's my problem. Sure. It's my it's, responsibility. It's, it's my, my responsibility yes, to sure. do something about it. Fair enough. Even if it's not my fault. Fair enough. Even if you can just go that far, yes. it will at least put you on a path to where something can be done exactly. about it. But I thought it was so profound when Solzhenitsyn said, well, telling the truth is no one tells the truth. Oh, wait, I, don't, I didn't tell the yes. truth. Who knows? Maybe one of those truths would have stopped all of this from happening yeah. 30 years previous. Like, who knows? And so, well, I don't even think he was 30 at the time he was drafted, but um, he found a way. He found some way that it that he was technically responsible and then he owned up to it and he took responsibility yeah. for it and went out and changed the world yeah and anyone can do that anyone in any situation can do that but you're right you might want to start off yeah. not uh, blaming yourself initially <laughs> and well, uh, just a, at least the word responsibility is the yeah, good word like though. at least take some responsibility for it so that you can do something you don't have to accept like the shame of fault Mm. that's not really the point of the exercise. The point is to say, it's empowering to say, I have control. I can do mm. something about it. Instead of, sure. this was done to me, it's out of my control. Yeah, all these it's other all people have control, but to me. I don't. Yeah. That keeps you stuck. Psychologically, yeah. In the coward's room. Yep. Or yep. in id's sector Reliving of resentment. or re-resentment, re-feeling, yes. re-feeling those old emotions over and over and over again. And that's a horrible place Don't to Don't only you say, no, I have control. Yeah. I, it is my responsibility. I can do something that you feel empowered to take a step and go somewhere and start on, on, on the path to psychological homelessness. Yes. Whichever path it is that you come into that you feel works for you. And there are many of them. Yes. There are many, many, many of them. There's and, so and many new, religions. New pads get invented all the time. So <laughs> many psychoanalysts and psychologists who have different yes. theories on and how different philosophers. Which one works for you? Sure. Find it. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. Take responsibility for your own psychology, your own brokenness, and start putting it back together again, one piece at a time. Yeah. And get there. But you have to take responsibility for that journey. No one's going to no one do, it do it for you. you. And one of the thoughts, we didn't get into this because it's the Lacan, the phallus and incest. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to get into it. We are. But the Oedipus thing, yeah. one of the desires, one of the reasons for the Oedipus situation is that you want someone to fix your problems and your mom always fixed your problems. Yes. Let me just go back to mom. Things were so much easier when it was just me and mom. Mm -hmm. Back when I can't even really remember, but I feel it. And yeah. mommy fixed this for me and she yep. can't. She will accept you back. She will accept you in, but it's to your own detriment because she, try as she might, she cannot fix your actual problem. You know what's funny about that is it's so like tempting. my own mother struggles with that. She's yeah. the type of person who wants to fix everybody. I think a, a lot of women are yeah. like that, and that does happen. That's a thing, and that's why the Oedipal situation is theorized at all. I think the hardest Freud. lesson she's had to learn yeah. is to allow her kids 
to, to take control of their own mistakes. paths in yeah, life, to, to make mistakes yeah. and to fix themselves. And yeah. it's hard. It, it's it's oh hard for some people to like come to that. You literally grew the kid in your stomach <laughs> and they're having a hard time. It's like, can't I do something? Yep. But at some point it's like, no. Yep. Your mom is great, by the way. She's great. She's, great. <laughs> she's, a, she's a wonderful, wonderful, yeah, she wonderful is. human being. All right. All right. So we get through that. And this is, I love this scene. Because he, he, Faye goes immediately to Wiseman, to his father. Oh, to yeah. To try to help him. And he calls him yeah. dad. Dad, dad. Because when he accepted that change within himself, he's also like, he doesn't want to call Graf dad. But because of what he just went through, mm-hmm. he knows that is my dad. Yep. I don't like it. I don't want him to be my dad. I want to just call him Graf and be like, you're bad. But he calls him dad anyways, even though it's clearly Graf presenting before him. And he, he's just like, because well, sometimes he slips up. He's like, Graf, no, I mean dad. Well, he, like, he's been very direct. He's like, or Lacan, I mean dad. But he always I, I ends think, up calling him I father. I think, though, in the cockpit originally, it is still Wiseman at that time. Cause, okay. Because, uh, it, it, well, actually, I think it's Khan. You see his bandana and everything. But it, he's it like he's like he's like leaning into him and like talking to him. But then okay. Graf takes over yes, and Graf the suit slips. comes on and he like grabs him by the throat and like lifts yes, him up. Yes. And he's like, "What the Graf? What are you doing?" <laughs> yes, that's true. That's and true. that's a really cool like but moment. But even because like, in the very end, he is dressed like Graf still in yes, the very end. Yes. But Faye is just like, "You're my dad." Yes. You're, yes. You're all screwy and loopy. Yes. But you're my dad. And, exactly. and you can become whole just like I did too. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's beautiful. So um, there's a little bit of a Star Wars-y thing going on here where Faye refuses to fight Graf. I will not fight you, Father. <laughs> yes. And he's like, fine, I'll kill your friends. Yes. He's like, no, you can't do that. Sister, you have fight. a younger it, sister. It's basically exactly yes. that it's scene. It's exactly it. Anyway, it's kind of funny. But yep, yep, yep. Um, Oh, this is where... Uh, okay, it gets to the point where... They fight, and you're in the Xeno Gears now. So the Xeno Gears is the, um, it's oh, the Veltal. Yeah. It's a new version, evolved yes. due to its contact with the wave existence. With the wave existence, so, so it's, it's like white the, and blue and yeah, stripy. The yeah. ultimate form yeah. of the, the Xeno Gears. I didn't catch that at first. I was like, <laughs> wait, who? Which one's me? Because it was like the dark one. Oh, what? The that's heck? the that's like the true Veltal, which is Graf's gear. Yeah, and. You're in the Xeno Gears, which is like the evolved Veltal yeah. after contact with the wave existence. Yeah, that's right. Anyways, <laughs> it's a pretty cool, um, pretty cool gear design, and uh, its its kind of gimmick is you can transform to like like a, this hyper mode. I forget what it's called. Where, anyways, you have to you have to build up your attack levels without using death blows mm-hmm. up to a certain level, and then you transform into like the hyper mode, and then your attacks do like mega damage or something like that. So you survive a few rounds of damage by just doing normal attacks and then mm. bam, you can unleash. You, you bravely default. Which is, yeah, kind of <laughs> similar to like the id system mode of the last Veltal oh, we had. Yeah. Like the yeah, it seems like just names, an evolution. Like the Go 10 and it's oh, a similar yes. attack names. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, you beat Graf in that fight, which I think is pretty hard to lose. In fact, I think yeah, it's it a was, gimme it fight was, mostly. It was pretty short. But... Lacan, uh, or Faye feels himself being drawn in by the Zohar modifier. So this is not the wave existence. This is Deus trying to, like, absorb the contact. Yeah. Right? And what Graf does here, because of the talking back and forth Faye's been doing with him, the philosophizing, the, Mm -hmm. you know, Graf 
is still partially, he's not the contact really, but he's like, he can confuse the Zohar into thinking uh, to buy time true. that he's the contact. That's so he totally allows true. himself to be absorbed, yeah, to buy Faye time yeah. so he can get away. That's essentially what happens there. But what he says here is Lacan's imperfect secondary contact with the wave existence split his personality into two. Eventually his body died, but the original Lacan transmigrated, bringing the destiny of becoming a contact with him, he was reborn as your present body. So when mm -hmm. Lacan died, the contact transmigrated into faith. Um, but this is the important part. The remaining persona, Graf, just his desires, Lacanian desires, lived on separately by possessing the bodies of others. That is Graf, that is me. I may have inherited Lacan's will, but I'm not the same as the contact Lacan. It is impossible for me to make real contact. There would be no true melding and release. Even though our bodies may be different, I am still half of you. That fact remains. Although I'm imperfect, I can merge temporarily with Zohar and thus may be able to buy some time for you. So yeah. he sacrifices himself to allow yeah. Faye to get away, to destroy the Zohar and free the wave existence. That's now, and save Ellie. That's now what we have to do moving forward. Yeah. And then the last scene there is Saiten and Faye and Bart oh, going to the Oh, I love it, because this heavy scene happens, and then all of a sudden we're at the floor of the Yggdrasil or something like that, and it's just... Oh, before that, though. You're right. And it's just like, oh, right, we're going to destroy it. And it's like, holy cow, whoa, this... This game could have used a nice little transition between those two, yes. but you know. But before that, they go see the catamony, though. Yeah, because Faye just starts explaining to everyone everything. Mm -hmm. Faye's just like, okay, guys, I know what's up now. And then all of a sudden, we're just there. This is where we like, learn about the fact yeah. that the original mother made two copies. Yes, it's and, in this and she's there still up in the thing. Yeah. So they go up to it. It's like sitting there on like a cliff side or whatever. Yep. And Faye says, in order to revive itself one day, Deus detached the Zohar modifier core. After this core unit came down here, the catamony, a single woman awoke and arose from out of it. She's the mother of all humanity. After she awoke, she used all her power to bear several beings. This would be the emperor and the Gazon ministry, um, who are the ancestors of the whole humanity. Finally, she gave birth to two replicas of herself to be humanity's caretakers. Two selves, the human mother and the weapon, the subject and the complement. That is Ellie and Miang. I, the sole survivor of the colony ship, met Ellie, and everything started from there. The land of Genesis, Catamony, this is the place. Um, and then he goes on to say, um, usually human memories cannot be passed down through the generations. Humans do not normally have the ability to compress and store memories in their introns. This in is what we talked about a couple yes. podcasts ago. But Ellie and I and Miang are different. Due to our connection with the wave existence, that is due to Zohar's ability to change possible phenomena, we can clearly store data in our introns. In other words, we can leave behind memories to be inherited by our descendants. Just as the wave existence is bound inside the Zohar, the information, information is affixed to me, so to speak, by some of the power of the wave existence. So that's how they're able to store memories of their past lives and their introns, mm -hmm. which was the whole thing we talked about a couple episodes ago that Crowlian found out using his nanotechnology. Yeah. And then after that scene, dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> hey guys, and then Bart's like, I got a great idea. And 
we're this, just gonna go and there's point oh it's the craziest I thing don't ever. even know how much I want to like try to explain this crazy well, plan because it's say freaking crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, but it works, and that's all you need to really know. Yeah, there's a shield, and there's 1.67 seconds that the shield Between is open when the it blast shoots. That they have to like get inside yes. for Kava, and and they can't go fast enough, so they're going to use uh, the other Yggdrasil power sources, and then they're going to use the the freaking Nortune. Um, Yggdrasil mech. Four. Yeah, yeah the Yggdrasil massive four. thing. And he's going to do all the, and put all his shields in the front so that the blast will hit, but it'll be okay, and then it'll go right through. Yeah. And that's that. And it's like it's, a 20-minute scene to explain this really plan. It's really long, because <laughs> I feel like they need, they feel, in this game, they feel the need to explain themselves a little too much, yeah. despite the fact that they don't explain enough. enough. <laughs> it, it's, it's a weird thing, but it's because they, they bit off more than they can chew. Sure. Um, but... Yeah, that's essentially the gist of it. And so then it works. The plan works as done. It works, it but works then it planned. kind of didn't. It worked too well, is it, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so like they it's get a bunch there, of other explosions. He breaks get... the gun, and then the whole thing blows up, and it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then and the then Merkava comes crashing down. It all comes down, and they're like, wait. Ellie, Ellie was on the show. We were like, supposed oh, to save God, Ellie. Man. And Bart's like, whoops. And Saiten has like five lines in a row of, I should have known that that would happen. <laughs> Dang it, why I made a miscalculation. I should have known this was obviously going to be the result. And he's just like beating himself up. Yeah. And um, that's basically where we stopped. And then, and then the nanomachines oh, yes. start transforming the Merkava the, into, into the, the final Earth, form basically. of Deus. And it starts like, yeah, just like yeah. terraforming the planet. Making the whole planet, which I can assume is what happened to the previous planet that got destroyed, was this. Because as soon as the thing melts with the planet, it just like just starts breaking yeah. everything and turning everything gray. Everything becomes lifeless and dead. And it's just like this shock wave going out mm. that you would assume envelops the whole Earth, but I'm guessing it just stays just in, the in, a, in a certain but, area. Yeah, that was a pretty cool scene. Yeah. But the next scene after that is hilarious because once again, the music, and they're like, okay, <laughs> that plan didn't work. Time for a backup. Now we really got to do things right. Okay, let's go over here. It's just like, oh my gosh, yeah. It is so funny. Anyways, the point is they gotta go destroy Deus and in particular the Zohar to free the way of existence and get Ellie back. And yes, this is gonna be our final dungeon. Of this the game. will be the final. Now yeah. there is um, one more optional um, area you can go to that gives some more context to the um, Zebuim era, to Kim and Ellie of that time, oh, okay. and uh, and Emerelda. So I would suggest taking a look at that first, um, and then and then going and doing the final dungeon, because there's some good stuff uh, that comes from that. Some really good stuff. Oh, cool. Um, In relation to more more um, like, even with like Miang, like Miang's role in that time period is actually really interesting. Mm. Um, Some really good stuff there. So we'll cover that next time. We'll cover the final dungeon and the end of the game, and kind of just summarize all through the rest of what's left. And then we'll have one more episode with some other people who come on. And we'll try to we'll try to really yeah. work into like the the hardcore weeds and yeah. like resolve any further questions that people have. The question specifically, no guarantee if we're going to read your question, but <laughs> we'll try. There is a way. There is a way. There is a way. If you go on Patreon <laughs> and. I will you prioritize Patreon questions first. Yes, questions asked through Patreon yeah. will be our first priority, and um, 
that. I mean, there's really no other way to deal with. Yeah, because the, there's just the volume a lot. of questions. But yeah. I yes. feel like we've done Xenogears for like two years now. It's like crazy. It's like, <laughs> and what's funny oh my gosh, it, it's coming to an end. I it's can't been it. about the same amount of time that we spent on FF8 and yeah, Near when we did it's our monthly. Just that podcast. it's been weekly, so it exactly. feels way more. It, it, it really does. <laughs> it really does feel that way. But and Xenogears is a bigger game. This is probably yeah. the biggest game we, we might ever cover. I hope but. so. I don't think we should do 20 episodes <laughs> again for, for another game. Anyways, we really didn't even have enough time to cover everything. Though. That's the crazy part. I know. But uh, yeah, for the next episode, I will um, I will have the list of games okay. to cover next time. Now, just to soften the blow of this, because I know a lot of FF10 people oh, were guys. really upset that Xenogears won, yeah. and they were probably hoping Final Fantasy X would be the next one. Um, listen, I'm mentally broken after having we need a, like, <laughs> a about this game. slightly easier game that's less like <laughs> we're gonna do something in between giant JRPGs. Yeah. Yes, that can just <laughs> like hour take games. a break, and yeah. it might only be an episode or two, or maybe three or something. Preferably something short. I would prefer that something yes. short and light and not yeah. as complex. And something I don't have to spend 20 hours a week researching yeah. <laughs> to yes. like know how to talk about it. <laughs> something so, and it's not going to be a, a Japanese game. I want to specifically get away from JRPGs for a second okay, okay. and just do something else. So I'm thinking about Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice, Ooh. which is a freaking phenomenal game. It's it's shorter though. With some really yeah. really big themes and it's yeah. super short. It's it can be beaten in like 6 to 8 hours or something. Yeah. Or uh, we could go back to Mass Effect, which is also a shorter mm. game. It's only about yeah. 18 20 hours long. Or Ghost of Tsushima or something like that. Yeah. Just something else that's not a JRPG cuz I just need a break. I just need a break. And then after that, we'll go back to Final <laughs> Fantasy X or Tactics or Six. You or can choose six. between those three. <laughs> we'll let that be the next choice. Okay. Um, Sounds good. So, but for the next one, it's not going to be a JRPG, just so you know. But it will be shorter. Okay. It will probably only be a month at most, cool. whatever the next game is. And cool. then we'll get back to JRPGs again. Anyways, thanks for watching, everybody. We appreciate you. Um, looking forward to finishing this up. Uh, next week. Uh, like I said, just play to the end of the game. That's the assignment for the next one. And then for the following week, you will have to read Perfect Works. That'll be the homework for the next one. So, play to the end of the game, read Perfect Works, and we'll finish this thing up. Alright. Till then, peace out.